Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, the FBI says Chinese hackers could wreak havoc on the United States. Hackers could wreak havoc. And Elmo wants you to have a sunny day. And um, everybody is talking about this awful, unbelievable beheading that happened in Pennsylvania. Just insane. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. Strap in for six hours. It's a big day for us. The Zioli Army is going to be going all the way up till 9 o'clock tonight. Because I'll be filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. So at some point, probably around 5.30 or so, we're going to probably replay something so that I can take a little breather and walk around the hallway. It's just one of those things you got to do. Otherwise, you, your mind gets insane when you switch from doing this show to that show, which is like basically going to somebody's house for the, for the day. You want to respect their house. When, when, when hosts fill in for me, uh, with the exception of Michael Pelka, who just, you know, r- ruins the place and d- does whatever the hell he wants, quite frankly, and just usually burns it down. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but you always you always want to respect the house you're in. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'll get notes from people and say, oh, I, I heard you filling in for Levin. You sounded great, but you're, you're a little different from your show in Philly. Well, A, it's not my show. It's Mark's show. I'm just trying to hold the, the steer the ship till he comes back without crashing it that's all i'm trying to do i'm not auditioning to take over for him i'm not trying to take over for him I, I, i'm just there to do you know what i mean so that's all that's how i look at it and when and when, when my fill-in hosts are are kind enough to respect the show and the space and i, I always appreciate it back so that's kind of how I, how we do it but but doing the national shows are a little different because the clock is different primarily and you know this if you listen to those shows our three o'clock hour on this station and our 6 p.m. hour are very similar in terms of the structure of the breaks the four o'clock and the five o'clock hours are not uh, but the national shows are always the same all three hours same structure same clock same breaks and they have what's known as hard breaks hard outs where you have to take a hard out at a certain time or otherwise you would just get cut off because what happens is that they turn it over to the affiliates at that point for them to run their local commercials and whatnot so you got to hit that hard out you know, which I, which I, by the way, I'm terrible at because I don't follow the clock on this show. 
and I've never followed the clock, and I used to get in trouble for it all the time. Then, then they just gave up trying to make me follow the clock because I, 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 I couldn't. I used to get in trouble about that constantly. Like, we have a clock. You have to follow it. We have a clock for a reason. And blah, blah, blah. But then they realized it's a losing battle. He's not going to listen. And it's not that I don't want to. I'm not trying to be uh, derelict or a bad employee, although God knows I am. It's just I forget. You know, I start going on these tangents and tirades, and next thing I know, it's we blew through a commercial break. We have the flexibility of doing that on this show, though. On national shows, you don't. You have to be very structured to the clock. It's another reason why I, I love doing this show so much, because we have a lot more leeway and flexibility. It's also kind of the same with television. I've told you before, you know, when you do television shows, everything is very much, you know, you've got a three-minute hit, and it's you're in, you're out. That's it. Everything at boom, 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 boom. You don't really have the ability to go on long form things. Some Sometimes you can kind of in the opening of the show. And sometimes Tucker would go on for 25 minutes or something like that. Jesse Waters will do long monologues too. But it's a little bit different in terms of when you are a guest on a TV show or during the day or something like that. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about a lot of things for the next six hours, shall we? Or five hours and 45 minutes. First of all, I had a laugh as I was listening to all the little tech executives today in front of the Senate. I had a laugh for two reasons. Number one, the grandstanding by these senators is just, oh, that's just unbelievable. So much grandstanding. The second thing is to to listen to these tech CEOs who are all billionaires act like they really care. You know what I mean? Like they, like they care. It is also charming and cute. We talked about this yesterday. In Florida, there's a bill right now to ban social media use for kids 16 and under. And I took calls on it. We read a lot of tweets on it. We all kind of as a team agreed, I think you and I would agree with this point, if you were listening during that part of the show, that we all think it's a bad idea. It's got wonderful consequence, intended consequences. But what, what always happens is, with these things are the unintended consequences. And that's the problem is that as I was listening to this today, I kept thinking about these are the sites that young people are most commonly using that we know of, but we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know about all the other sites that they're on that because they're way ahead of us in this, in this area, they're way ahead of us. You know, there are teenagers right now using apps that we as adults may not find out about for a year or something like that. And the only reason we'll find out about it is because something will happen to someone or it'll be, it'll be a bad news situation that brings it forward. But the biggest problem with making people, with banning people on social media until they hit a certain age of 16 is that you're actually letting them on social media probably at the, the time when they're going to be impacted the, the most emotionally yeah, because they're, they're at that, that point where they're going to start internalizing a lot of this stuff and, and feeling bad about themselves. And as the girls are going to their sweet 16 and they're getting ready for the prom and then all that stuff. But it's very hard to police that. And, and it's very hard for these social media companies to police that too. I mean, yeah, you can yell about pedophiles all day. And I, I agree. I mean, obviously that's got to be job one, but I think that's the easier job to accomplish. And I'm, it's amazing that we're even having that conversation. But when you get into the whole thing about kids being bullied online and kids being harassed online and kids making other kids feel bad, I, is, is there really a way for government to solve that? problem i don't think so i've been thinking about this a lot because i have three kids you know patrick's nine and he's uh, he's at that point now where he's he plays minecraft with his cousin and his friends 
and they all go online, and I'm always making sure that they are who they say they are, number one, because I don't want to be in a situation where I find out my son is actually playing with, you know, some 30-year-old man in his basement. So I always make sure of that as a dad. I also realize that after a certain period of time playing, my son gets stressed out, and I can tell he's getting stressed out, so I need to make him take breaks. And actually, last night we went old school, and we went and played a little dig dug in the basement. I, I love that game. I loved that game when I was a kid growing up. I used to love Dig Dug. I used to love going to the arcades. The arcades are making a comeback, too. Old school arcades are making a comeback. There's a, a bar in Philadelphia, actually, that has all old school arcade machines. You see them now in the Jersey Shore, too. There's a casino. There's an Atlantic City casino that was converted into a big arcade. They have a lot of old school arcade games, too, which is really fun. But it's, di- I mean, those things are a- as analog as you get compared to what they have out there today and everything today even in the gaming world is geared towards young people playing with each other and and that's the whole thing and then they can make comments you know they can make comments up to each other and sometimes those comments are damn right mean so you you, you got to kind of police that too a little bit as a parent but this is you see the this is the problem though what we're really talking about here is the fact that for many parents They've turned over their job to social media, to devices. I mean, I I heard a woman say today something that I I almost crashed the car. She said, you could be in the kitchen cooking dinner and your daughter could be on an app and you don't even know what she's doing. And I kept saying, thinking to myself, why don't you know what she's doing? If she's in the other room and you're cooking dinner, why are you allowing that to occur? And and this is, I I think, a bigger problem of, of parenthood in general. Our kids were locked down from school for a long time and parents had to work. Many parents had to work. So what did they do? Well, in the early days of the pandemic in particular, they would send you these assignments and they weren't real. They were, you know, five minutes you watched a video or something and you had to read a book and the rest of the day, the kids were just on their own. So what did they do? They picked up devices and they started going online. I'm not saying it started them, but I think it got worse. I think it got worse. There's a story out today about COVID failures like keeping schools closed led to eye-wateringly high death rates, according to a damning report. And the mental health toll of COVID and lockdowns is still something we're calculating. But just think about that. So the kids were all locked out of school. They were on their devices. For many times, they, they were not going to organize sports because they didn't have them. They didn't have a lot of those things. And if you want to talk about where an addiction can come from, that's three years of children being on their devices a lot and they were also on those devices doing school but then they weren't always doing school on those devices because let's face it the school wasn't necessarily virtual all day long so there's that and then the other problem is that for a lot of parents quite frankly these devices serve as a babysitter they serve as a babysitter you know instead of having to pay somebody to come to the house a teenager to hang out with your kids and watch your kids you just sit them down in front of a screen and that's also a problem that I don't really know the answer to. There's not a lot of there's there's many people right now who don't have the situation to have somebody be a full-time parent with the children. I think everybody deep down inside would love that. I know economically not everybody can. And for some people now they're back in the office. I got a friend of mine just got called back into the the office, no more remote, 5 days a week, physical in the office. So for a lot of parents now they're they're back on the road too, which is another problem that's happening. But as I think about all these things and I think about the Senate hearing today, 
I think about them yelling at the CEOs of the tech companies. I keep wondering, yes, I agree. Keeping criminals away from your children is absolutely their responsibility. No question about it. They have responsibility to do that. But in terms of dealing with your kids getting bullied by other kids on their platform, I don't really know how you deal with that. I don't know what the answer is to that. I'm not really sure there is one. I mean, we always look for solutions to these things. And I think it's very tempting to think if we just have a Senate hearing and we just yell at Mark Zuckerberg, we'll find a magic solution to that problem. I don't think there is one. Because if they're not, it used to be when we were kids, you get bullied in person. You get bullied in school. And in some ways it could be helpful. You know, if you were a chubby kid and your kids, your buddies would call you chubby, you, you might be motivated to lose a couple pounds, you know, get out of the husky jeans. Nowadays, most of the bullying happens online because we've done a very effective job of cracking down on bullying in person to such a degree. But I don't know what the answer is to that. And I, and, and, and I think uh, today was really a show. I mean, they do these things in the Senate. It's just a show. What, what's going to come from it? You know, m- maybe these companies will cough up some cash to establish a fund to deal with tech issues and social media health and all the other things. But in a lot of ways, government caused this problem, if you think about it. I mean, it was government that decided to keep kids home from school and put them on these electronic devices in many ways. And playgrounds were shut down and sports teams and sport athletic, athletic, athletic events were canceled. Remember all that? All those things that happened. And I think kids were dealing with a lot of stress. And I think in many ways, they also took that stress out on each other feeling in a virtual world like it's not as bad. But hell, we do it as adults to each other. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times on any given day I have someone insult my intelligence, which is fair. I mean, no doubt about it. My intelligence deserves a lot of insulting. But inevitably, I will write a tweet. Somebody will accuse me of being dumb or a a MAGA Kool-Aid drinking moron or something like that. I mean, adults bully each other all the time. On social media, constantly. I see it. I I don't fight on social media anymore like I used to. I used to do it. For me, I considered it sparring. Like when Rocky had to fight Spider Rico, you know, just to kind of keep the Italian stallion, had to keep his his mojo. I kind of used to look at it like that. I I would fight idiots on Twitter as practice. Every now and then I'd go in there and just a little bit of catnip, you know, for my brain. And then I just gave up because it just seemed to be defeating and I see, but I, but I see the way people talk to each other in a virtual space that I don't think they would do in real life. I, the, the person who calls me an idiot because he, he disagrees with me, I'm, I'm a MAGA Kool-Aid drinking fool. Is that guy really going to say that to me in the grocery store if he sees me? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he might. But chances are probably not. If you, like, if you have a friend who, say, was, is supporting Nikki Haley and you two are fighting about it on Facebook, and you're saying terrible things to each other. Not a friend, but so, yeah, a, a fellow traveler, so to speak. And then you meet up in public. Are you really going to sit there and just start insulting each other? Probably not. I think the safety of the social media world makes us feel like it's not as damaging. That's why when people fight over text message, too, you got to be very careful with that. You can't see tone. You know, you, you know what I mean? You can't read tone. And it's very easy for people to interpret the tone of something in the wrong way. And also people say things, they'll just type a text and say things that that are mean that they wouldn't necessarily say in real life. But again, that's just kind of human nature. I don't know if you can legislate that away. I don't know if you'd want to. Because the answer to all that, quite frankly, is, well, it's hate speech laws. 
I mean, the, the only answer to that is is for the government to control your speech and for you to get in trouble if you're mean to someone. Now, that sounds good. Again, it's another thing. It sounds good. Like, oh, if you're mean to somebody, maybe you should get in trouble for that because our children are watching. And maybe they should get in trouble, too. The problem, though, is how do you define mean? Now, it's easy if, if, if somebody insults a 16-year-old girl and says, you look fat in that dress. Yes, we know that that's mean. We know that that's bullying. We know that it's wrong. Does the girl who says that to her, should she get locked up for it? Should she pay a fine for that? Should she be banned for life? I don't, I don't know what the consequences are. The problem, though, is that if that follows into adulthood, and then the next time somebody calls me a, um, a name and I write them back and I insult them and I say the wrong thing, you know, just the wrong thing. You know, I, I say something like, you are an idiot. And they come back and say, I go by they, them. And now it's hate speech and now I'm in trouble and now I'm banned. See what I mean? It's very easy to go down this rabbit hole of when the government starts getting involved in speech to try to make us all be nice to each other, how it usually leads to people walking on eggshells and censoring themselves, and also the government censoring us too. I'll give you a a real-life example. Those stupid DEI classes that we have to take, those dumb videos we have to watch, unconscious bias training and everything else, I've noticed a huge shift in the workplace since those things came online. People nowadays are literally afraid to talk to each other at work. They're just afraid of it. They're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing and get reported to HR. Because in all these training videos, you're told to do that. Oh, if you hear somebody say something that's mean, you better report it to HR or you'll get in trouble. So now people just don't even talk. They just walk down the hallway with their head down, you know, afraid somebody's going to say hello to them. And how's your day? I don't. And then there's, um, there's always the problem now of, you know, misgendering somebody or, um, you know, making somebody feel bad about, the way they smell because they might have too much cologne or perfume on. I mean, it gets a little ridiculous, but the point is, I think what the sentiment of today's hearing was leaving the child exploitation aspect out of it, because we're not talking about that. I mean, that is an obvious one, but in terms of the kids feeling bad when they go on social media and then kids feeling bad because other kids have made them feel bad. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is one. I just don't. Like, I don't think there's an answer to when, you know, guys are mean to each other in the locker room or when girls are mean to each other in a sorority house. I don't know the answer to that other than you got to do a good job as a parent. You got to try to make your kids resilient. You have to teach your children that you can't let it get to you. And you have to teach your children that it's important that they don't do that to other people. But I don't really know if the government can solve it for us. I don't know if we'd want them to. And I don't know how Mark Zuckerberg solves it either. I mean, you you create these platforms where people engage with each other and they wind up engaging sometimes in some very negative ways. But I think really what we have to do with our kids is teach a lot more self-resilience. I think that is essential. A lot more sense of, listen, life is going to knock you down. And people are going to say mean things and people are going to insult you and mock you and people are going to say you can't achieve something and you got to be able to, to weather the storm here. I think so, because otherwise, the only other option seems to be just keeping them off social media altogether. And I know that that's not realistic either, because it also plays a role in the business world. It, I mean, it does. I mean, every company now has a business presence. We have a presence. This show has a social media presence, obviously, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I say that all the time. So it's something that's going to be here forever. And then a lot of times, quite frankly, 
what one person's satire is another person's bullying. So when I'm yesterday, I made a joke about the rumors that Giselle Fetterman took. She apparently took down all her social media. And there are these rumors that they're getting a divorce. I don't know if it's true or not, but I tweeted out a joke saying, is Giselle Fetterman leaving John Fetterman's body double? Because this is not how the movie Dave ended. And I want my money back. In the movie Dave, the body double winds up with the first lady, Sigourney Weaver. So Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver get together at the end of the movie. In fact, it's her uh, love for him that basically enables him to change his policy direction. So I figured this whole time that Giselle Fetterman was all in on it. She fell in love with the body double. And that's why he started to move more towards the center. Because that's where the body double is. And she's all in. And maybe that's why she left. Maybe she goes, I don't like this body double. Because John was a lot more progressive than this guy is. What's all this pro-Israel talk and everything? Anyway, I, mean, I, I tweeted that out last night. Am I bullying or am I being satirical? That's the other problem. Is I, you, when you start defining this stuff, it gets into a very gray area. You know, how many times do you have to wind up coming out? It was just a joke. I was just kidding. It was a joke. And you wind up getting canceled for tweeting out the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. And the intention of it is, well... We have to make sure that we're being nice because our children are watching. But then really what it does lead to is self-censorship. And people are afraid to make jokes and people are afraid to be satirical. And satire also serves a very important political purpose, don't forget. So the, early, the earliest uh, days of the founding of this country, uh, cartoons were a very powerful way to effectuate change. Very powerful way. And they, would, they were mean. I mean, they're mean. They, they would write really mean cartoons about each other back then the founders well they, well they would get drunk in a bar in philly and they'd start making cartoons you know what i mean they did i mean stuff but anyway satire and mocking and humor and pointing fun poking fun at people in power is incredibly powerful it's an incredibly powerful tool that the government would love to take away from us in the name of <laughs> ending bullying and hate speech because they are the they're the recipients of that when you're mocking the powerful, you're mocking these people and you're exposing them and they would love to shut that down. I mean, in some countries they do. They do shut it down if you say insulting things about them. Hell, Woodrow Wilson passed a bill when he signed a bill as president, worst president ever, where Woodrow Wilson came out and he said that anybody who spoke bad about the war effort, World War One, would go to jail. You know, so they were arresting journalists back then and actually putting journalists in jail. Not not the fake kind that they said Trump would do, but the Democrat Party and Woodrow Wilson actually did that in the Alien and Sedition Acts. But that was the whole idea. You said mean things. We're going to punish you. And that's absolutely happening in America already. When adults say mean things about covid or about and mean things are how the government defines them, like mean things about vaccines or mean things about vaccine side effects or mean things about Fauci mean things about climate change, mean things about about windmills, you know, false lies that climate change is not caused by man, lies that windmills cause uh, whales and dolphins to die. You know, lies you're telling, lies and you're bullying and your hate speech. It goes down into a rabbit hole of censorship and the government calling out disinformation and misinformation. And hell, they almost had a board, an entire board where that Nina Jankowitz, and it's still there, it's just, you know, they've just kind of changed it a little bit. I would sit there and decide what was real and what wasn't, what was bullying and what wasn't, what was misinformation and disinformation. So the answer to these things is a little complicated. 
but I don't know if there is one other than parents have to just be more involved here in their kids' lives. And I know that that's not an answer in every situation because, A, you're not going to be with your kids 24-7, and B, for a lot, of, a lot of kids, their parents are not in their lives. But that also doesn't mean that government can step in and solve the problem. And I'm not so sure these big tech companies can either. Because what we're really talking about is human nature. Are we not? I mean, there's a capacity of human nature to be mean to each other. And you just have to, I think, teach your kids not to be and teach your kids how to be resilient when it occurs to them. But beyond that, I don't, I don't think there's some kind of magic bullet here. And if there is, let me know, because eventually my kids are going to be exactly in this spot. Patrick's nine, Claire's seven, Reagan's three. So my kids will absolutely be there before I know it. And I don't want them getting bullied on social media. I don't want them being feeling bad about themselves. I don't want them getting depressed on Instagram. But I also know that I don't, I don't know what bill Congress could pass that would change that. I don't know what, what secret little maneuver could be done to, to change that either. And, I, you know, that's the problem. 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. A lot to chat about today, including that awful, terrible beheading in Pennsylvania. Just un- unreal what happened here. Uh, and the Department of Justice is acknowledging, I think, what we have all known about China. China is absolutely trying to bring down our cybersecurity. This is the big story of the day today brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com is where you want to go. VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist. In fact, Bridget had an appointment with him today. Her whole family goes to see Dr. Mike. VenariaDental.com. And the question about Fawny Willis and whether or not she and her office covered up a crime, a major crime by one of her staff members. We'll talk about that as well. Plus new polling out, real problematic for Joe Biden. It ain't good. Not good at all. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Zioli Show. On your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Democrat cities are getting hammered by the invasion at our southern border. There's a lot of uh, that going on today. The mayor of uh, Denver coming out and saying the city's at a breaking point. Every hotel is full. And the governor of Massachusetts crying as she talks about how she's to turn a rec center into a refugee place. So we'll get into all that with you as well throughout the show today. 855-839-1210. So uh, if you have any ideas on what can be done with social media to make it a more hospitable place, let me know. I think, for example, Nikki Haley's idea of everybody registering on, for a social media account is just so antithetical to freedom. And this is the problem, again, with age verification. Because if you're going to make, say you, you, you have a rule, no one under 16 can use social media. Well, how do you enforce that? You make every user have to identify themselves with some sort of government document, which then doesn't allow you anonymity on online. I mean, they, even if they say, well, once you're verified, you can then create a fake name or fake profile, but they still know who you are. You know what I mean? You've just, you've turned over your government documents to whatever the entity is that's going to verify this. So you lose that ability to be anonymous online. And I'm sorry, but I think anonymity in public speech is incredibly important. We never, the, the Federalist Papers were written by using pseudonyms. I mean, we have to realize that. And we've had a long history of that in this country. And I don't want to lose that. I also don't think you have, the government has no right to know what you're saying about it. It doesn't need to know what you're saying about it. The government, unless you're, I mean, literally threatening in a very, very specific manner, it's none of the government's business who you are if you're out there criticizing the government or criticizing politicians or anything like that. So every solution carries an unintended consequence, it seems to me, to grow the power of government. And as Republicans, unfortunately, conservatives sometimes fall for this because it's a reflexive idea of, well, we have to keep people safe and then we empower the government and then they wind up taking that power and weaponizing it and using it against us for political purposes. Exactly like I told you, what, 12 years ago, the Zioli Axum? in the earliest days of the founding of the Zioli army? And that's really what they do. Let's take, for example, CISA. So CISA is this government agency that's supposed to make sure that um, our cybersecurity infrastructure is safe from from bad people. But of course, now we know uh, recently what came out regarding CISA and censorship and how CISA was involved. I talked about this not too long ago on the show, how CISA was involved in censoring people And a new report, CISA tried to cover up their censorship practices. House Judiciary Committee put that out. So every time you create a new government agency or every time you create a new law or every time you create a new this or that, that, that you're always giving, you're empowering the bureaucracy with, with powers that will then be used by people with agendas. It's just like Captain America says in Captain America's Civil War. What he says, these, he's talking about the United Nations. 
And he says, you know, these things are run by by individuals who have agendas. And his whole point is that those agendas can change. And this is the problem. And this new report that came out revealed CISA tried to cover up its censorship process, uh, practices. So that, this is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Sounds great. Sounds great. Who would be against that? The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, except that they actually colluded with big tech and disinformation partners to censor American citizens. I mean, how do you distinguish bullying from misinformation? I mean, I, I, I mean that sincerely. I, if I come out and I say, listen, here's the deal. All right. Here's the deal. You. You are not a man. Yeah, I'm sorry. You are not a woman. If you say you are, if you're a man. And that is just a scientific biological fact. And I'm going to say that because it's the truth. Leah Thomas is not a woman and should not be competing against women. Am I bullying Leah Thomas? Is that bullying speech? You're damn right it is, according to the left. Of course it is. A hundred percent. So should I be banned from saying that? The, again, they always use the children as the opening act here with everything, don't they? The children. It's for the children. For the children. Always the opening act is for the children. But it never stops with the children. It always extends to adults, too. So now if I come out and I say that that biological man is not a woman, you could argue I'm bullying Will Thomas. I'm bullying him. And that that's mean and that should be taken down. And you'd have a lot of people agreeing with you, by the way. You'd have a lot. In fact, uh, there was a poll recently done of college students. And I want to say it was maybe recent college graduates, maybe 35% agree with the idea of hate speech laws. 35% thought censorship was, was an okay thing and that there should be ways to penalize people for their speech. So all these things, and, and, and I'm telling you right now that the, the, the real secret here in all of this is that all these lefties who run these big tech companies, they would be fine with it. They, you didn't have to ask them very very hard. Like you didn't have to. It wasn't a big ask to ask them to censor COVID, quote unquote, disinformation. It wasn't a big ask to get them to take down the Hunter Biden laptop story. I love how we're all acting like they really didn't want to do these things. And the government had to force them to do it. All the government had to do was just ask them nicely. And they went along and complied with it. And then for a show, they turned around and said, well, we really had problems with doing it. But, you know. And then it's climate change. You know, that you're putting out disinformation about climate change and you're, you know, if, if, if I if I disagree with somebody and, and, and I don't use the right words when I disagree with them, am I bullying that person in the public square? And what are the consequences of that if we've decided that that's online bullying and cyberbullying? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about kids. It's different. But is it, though? I mean, if, if a if a 14 year old kid, 14 year old little boy, young man. I should say young man, a 14-year-old young man says, I'm sorry, but boys are boys and girls are girls, and I refuse to say otherwise. And what if he says to a 14-year-old boy who's identifying as a girl, I'm sorry, but you're a boy? Is that bullying? You know, the left would say it is. No different than if a girl told another girl you look fat in that prom dress. So what happens? Do they, you bet they come after that kid. You see, this is the problem. These, these tech guys, 
they'd be all in on hate speech codes and censorship codes. Oh, all in because they're all lefties. They're all lefties. They they want to make money first and foremost, obviously. But number two is that they they agree with all of the the dogma of the left. So when they said take down posts that criticize Fauci, they're like, okay, take down posts that said the uh, the COVID vaccine was was not going to stop you from getting COVID. Okay. Take down posts that said uh, COVID shots in young men could lead to serious heart problems. Okay. Twist my arm. You know, they twist my arm. All right, I'll do it. I don't want to do it, but I got to do it. So then it's a, it's a, it's a scam. The only people in the end, I think, who really get hurt are conservatives. Because if you are a conservative kid, your speech is going to be considered bullying in many aspects. Well, think about it, right? If you come out and you say, as a Christian, say you're a Christian, you're, you're 15 years old, you're a Christian, you have your Christian beliefs, and you don't believe that marriage is um, anything but between a man and a woman. You have the right to believe that. It's still the United States of America. And if you say that to the wrong kid, well, now you're bullying. So now what? You get kicked out of school, you get kicked off a social media platform. Who defines bullying? Who defines what being mean is? Obviously, it's always the people in power. And people in power change. And their agendas change too. Say you're a conservative kid and you don't agree with the notion of equity. And you say to another kid, I'm sorry, but you don't deserve my family's money. You don't deserve to get the money that my family's worked hard for. I'm sorry you and your family are going through a tough time, but I don't believe in equity. You bullying a poor kid? Damn right you are. Hell yes. So if you actually just quoted, say, a a quote from Dr. Thomas Sowell in basic economics and threw it in their face, that would be considered bullying. Of course it would. It's very easy to get caught up in the notion of saying, we got to protect children from being called fat. Listen, I was a chubby kid. I was. Mama Zioli will tell you. I wore husky jeans. And I ate jello pudding pies, a lot of them. And I did wear husky jeans. And I did get some fat jokes directed my way. But it led me to lose weight. Because bullying can be very effective in that manner. It's very easy to look at that on the surface of them and be like, I can't, you know, some young girl gets bullied about her looks and then commits suicide. And then it's a horrible, horrible thing. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But the problem is, if you just look at that, And you go, yeah, we got to crack down on that. So, yeah, we need to ban bullying and punish people who bully and blah, blah, blah. Well, what about, um, you know, somebody who says uh, this and that? And then suddenly now you've opened up a whole can of worms here. You know what I mean? And now you're talking about, well, let's also add this group to bullying. You know, like they're always adding groups to the DEI categories. They're always adding this, this victim class. Like, well, what word today should be included in there as well? You know, what? What what's the new bullying term that we're not really seeing? And then the left will come up with something, you know. And what if you say to somebody, really, one kid says to another kid, makes a joke about them having a limp. You know, that's an you're an ableist, ableist bullier. You're you're bullying by ableist speech. Or what if a kid comes out and says, you know what? I think there's way too many. um, Parking spots reserved for people with uh, disabilities. I think there's too many. It's wasted space, wasted spots. I think we have to revisit this law. We have to take another look at it. Are you bullying disabled people? Are you bullying them? 
with your thoughts and your ideas and your speech? If you say it directly to one person who happens to be disabled, are you bullying that person? You're just getting, you're going down into a bad place here. 48%, 48%, my God, it's even higher than that. 48% of college students believe the First Amendment shouldn't protect hate speech, according to research from the William F. Buckley Research Program at Yale. And I think a lot of the times what happens is there's a temptation by Republicans to want to attack these guys, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world and the other people. That's it. I mean, it looks good on camera. It sounds good on camera. They're the bad, evil tech villains and everything like this. And no doubt that when it comes to child exploitation, they have to deal with that. There's no question about that. But a lot of times the grandstanding, what I worry about is that when you're grandstanding a little too much here, you're opening up the door for them to turn around and say, well, here's the answer. Here's what we propose. We propose this list of things that you can't say. We propose this list of, of ways that we can instantly ban people from, you know, from being on the platform. Or we propose the following. In fact, and then it goes, well, why don't we add that to a monetary fine? Because really, they could just change their profile into a new profile. So really, there should be consequences. Well, maybe the parents should face consequences. If, if they're 15-year-old saying something, maybe the parents should be held accountable for that. And maybe we should have the FBI raid their house and drag the father out in cuffs because a, a kid bullied a young girl about getting an abortion. What do you mean he bullied her? He said she shouldn't. It's a life and she should keep the baby. He bullied her. Well, the parents are at fault because he's a minor. So now we're going to drag the parents out and arrest them. You don't think the Department of Justice Office of the Civil Rights with this kook in charge right now just, just had six pro-lifers found guilty of... <coughs> excuse me, um, they were praying and singing in a, outside an abortion clinic. Now they're facing 11 years in prison. You don't think that kook would love to have the FBI slam your front door and kick it in with all their vests and their long guns, drag the parents out for the crime of having your, your son bullied a young woman who needed an abortion? No, I mean, you got to be real careful with this stuff. But anyway, here's some of the grandstanding today. Here's Lindsey Graham yelling at Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and it was the CEOs of Meta, which is, which is Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, Snap, Discord, and Twitter. Cut number one. I've come to conclude the following. Social media companies, as they are currently designed and operate, are dangerous products. They're destroying lives, threatening democracy itself. These companies must be reined in or the worst is yet to come. Uh, Gavin Guffey is a representative, Republican representative uh, from South Carolina in the Rock Hill area. To all the victims who came and showed us photos of your loved ones, don't quit. It's working. You're making a difference. Through you, we'll get to where we need to go so other people won't have to show a photo of their family. The damage to your family has been done. Hopefully we can take your pain and turn it into something positive so nobody else has to hold up a sign. Uh, Gavin's son got online with Instagram and was tricked by a group in Nigeria that put up a young lady posing to be his girlfriend. And as things go at that stage in life, he gave her some photos uh, compromising sexual photos, and it turned out that she was part of a, a extortion group in Nigeria. They threatened the young man. 
that if you don't give us money, we're going to expose these photos. He gave them money, but it wasn't enough. They kept threatening, and he killed himself. They threatened Mr. Guffey and a son. These are bastards by any known definition. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean to, it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product that's killing people. Well, I, I, it's it's heartfelt. I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't I don't know how to. Yeah, you know, I mean, as a parent, it's the worst thing you could ever imagine in your life. It seems to me that the easy answer is parents have to be more involved in what the hell their kids are doing online. But I know that that's not a magic bullet either. I get that, but I also don't. I don't know how Facebook's able to police every instance like that. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how they can. I don't, I just realistically, I don't know how. And I don't want to fall into the temptation of thinking that this abdicates parental responsibility because it's very easy to fall down into scams in life. I mean, real scams outside of social media scams. And my dad always raised me to be street smart. You know, you talk about book smart and street smart and trying to be street smart and making me recognize when somebody's uh, trying to play me and scam me. In the real life, I know it's easy, easier. In the virtual world, it may not be. But, I mean, how much role do parents play in, in, in trying to have to make their kids be acutely aware of this stuff and how they could fall for this and then knowing what their kids are doing online? Because it's easy to yell at Mark Zuckerberg. I get that, but what is he, what, what's the remedy for it? And what's the, how does, how does that get fixed? If, if a parent is not right on top of it, whatever safeguard they put in place, the bad guys are going to find a workaround because they always do because bad guys always find workarounds to that sort of thing. So it may not be a Facebook thing or an Instagram thing. It may be an email thing. It may be something they do through a video game that they're playing online together, maybe through a fake job application. I don't know, but there are bad act. There are bad people and bad actors in the world. I don't know how you could either say the government or a company has to protect your own kids because it's just it's not realistic. I think in the world that we live in today. What do you think? Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Now, child exploitation stuff is totally different. I mean, any instances where you're dealing with kids and pornography and all that, that's completely different, and that has to be dealt with in a big, big way. I'm not talking about that, obviously. I think we all know that. Uh, 855-839-1210. All right, we got a lot to talk about as the show continues, including the latest on Iran. A controversial surveillance law is up for renewal by Congress again. Will they renew it? That is the question. Let's hope they don't. I'll tell you why it is, once again, antithetical to liberty. Oh, Lindsey Graham went on to compare social media companies to cigarettes. Is that what it, that's what he did? Yeah, yeah, arguing that if we regulate cigarette cigarettes, we should regulate social media as well. But but that I, I don't I, that makes no sense. The cigarettes are physical product. How do you? I also think that most. I got to break. I got to break. All right, oh, Henry's yelling at me. I got to break. All right, we'll come right back. We got a lot more to talk about. Weigh in on this. Give the call. Matt will answer. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio twelve ten WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, listen, there's a breaking video from James O'Keefe, a a top White House uh, cyber official, saying that they want to replace Kamala Harris and they want to get rid of Joe Biden. Shocking, right? We'll get into that with you in the four o'clock hour. Remember my theory yesterday, 
What if they put Kamala Harris on the Supreme Court? You know, Justice Sotomayor doesn't want to be there anymore. And that's how you get rid of Kamala. Then you have Joe Biden step down. You replace them with Gavin Newsom. And there you go. We'll talk about that. Big four o'clock hour straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Bad, bad polls for Joe Biden. I mean, really, really bad, horrible, no good, very bad polls for Joe Biden. As uh, James O'Keefe has a new video out with a White House official saying they really want to get rid of Kamala so they can get rid of Joe. Because that is how it has to go. Welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And the conservative world is now divided over whether or not Taylor Swift is a government psyop. I kid you not. This is an actual battle going on in social media where conservatives are fighting with each other over this. So I will get into that with you before the show is over. And don't forget, I'm filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight, 6 to 9 p.m. And I, the show, we, the Zioli show, we have a very special announcement that we are going to make at what time do you want to make the announcement, uh, Henry? What time do you think? 4.22? 5? Keep people listening. Yeah, I was going to say, drive at 5 would probably be the best. 5.25. Sure. All right. Huge announcement. Big announcement. At 5.25. Okay? Huge. Big time. It's not... I'm not going back to mornings. I'm not leaving. I'm not doing anything like... Nothing like that. <laughs> uh, it's a... We have our own contest that we're going to be announcing at 525 <laughs> today and it's going to be huge all right it's going to be awesome and if you have any ideas on what we should do for our contest you could weigh in on twitter at rich zioli we'd love to have you i i got some i got some thoughts already from some tweets today but we'll um we'll announce that at 525 p.m today all right so we'll do that and um let's see I think Ornery Hounds put it best when he said, Zuck earned more during the time allotted for today's hearing than most people earn in a year. He popped in, he prepped and played in his role. He was shamed publicly. Now it's done. I doubt the shaming impacted him. He has a sociopathic presence. This is now behind him. Here's here's the thing. And I think a lot of times politics is, is, it's theater. It's theater of the absurd sometimes. Somebody once said to me, Washington is Hollywood for ugly people. A lot of what the Republican senators are doing today is freaking grandstanding. I'm just telling you, it's 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 grandstanding so they can look tough yelling at Mark Zuckerberg. They know nothing's going to come out of it. But the problem is they are playing right into the hands of the left who wants to regulate the Internet and regulate online content and has already been doing those things. And I get frustrated when Republicans play this game, and I know it's tempting because you can put a little 60-second thing on Twitter and everybody's going to cheer you on because everybody hates Mark Zuckerberg and they hate big tech and it's, you know, my kids are online all day and yeah, bravo. But the problem is this is what the left is hoping that they will do and then turn around and go, so we can all agree we need a disinformation board. We need hate speech codes. We need online bullying codes. We need, we need, we need to do all those things, right? Right? 
We, we, we all agree? Since you're yelling at Mark Zuckerberg, you, you agree with us, right? This is the problem. We're playing right into their hands. And I, and, and I, I you know, I, I listen to this and I think, these tech CEOs are going to go back. Maybe they'll write some checks like Big Tobacco did. How's Big Tobacco doing out of curiosity? Are they, are they out of business? I know it's getting harder and harder to find a pack of cigarettes these days. There's probably more to do about the fact that a lot of pe- places just don't want to deal with the crime. They don't sell them. But people are still smoking. So what happened with the big tobacco settlement? Government got a lot of cash. Government got a lot of cash. Cigarettes went on. So when you compare big tech to cigarettes, let me tell you how this plays out. Ready? Let me put my cynical Philly Jersey guy hat on for a moment and say this is how this plays out. Ready? Maybe the social media companies will also write a big check and create a commission. Then they'll have a bipartisan commission to study this. And and if you are a believer in liberty, you will want it to be shut down immediately before it leads to the government taking control of the Internet. Because that's where all this is headed. We are head- they're trying already to do this in the name of equity and everything else to take control. They're trying already. You were a bully when you went out there and shamed people for getting the COVID vaccine. You were a bully. So stop playing into their hands. It's not worth a 60-second soundbite. I'm sorry, Ted Cruz, but it's not. You know, yes, child exploitation is bad. We all agree it's bad. We know it's bad. We know it's illegal. We all get that. I get it. You get it. We all get it. And I understand you want to yell at Mark Zuckerberg and you, you look great doing it. And rah, rah, yeah, go. All you're doing is playing into the hands of the regulators and the left. You are just, you are just asking them to have the government come in and fix this. And when are we going to learn our lesson here? At what point do we learn our lesson that when you turn around and have the government come in and try to solve a problem, it makes it worse for conservatives? Conservatives and libertarians pay the price every single time. Every time there's not a single instance where we've given the government more power in the name of keeping us safe, that it hasn't affected our side of the aisle, our side of the political aisle, I should say, the political spectrum aisle. Every time, not a single time I can tell you it's resulted in more liberty for me or for you. Um, here's and I'm disappointed. Mike, I haven't heard the whole Mike Lee thing yet, so let me with, withhold judgment. But Senator Mike Lee um, went after Mark Zuckerberg as well today, and you know I love Mike Lee. One, I, I, I think he's one of the absolute best senators we have. Him and Rand Paul are outstanding. But this is uh, this is uh, Mike Lee from today. Go ahead. You for a moment, Mr. Zuckerberg. Instagram recently announced that it's going to restrict all teenagers from access to uh, uh, eating disorder material, suicidal ideation-themed uh, material, self-harm content, and that's fantastic. That's uh, great. Um, what's, what's odd, what, what I'm trying to understand is, is why it is that Instagram is um, only restricting, it's, it's restricting access to, to uh, sexually explicit content, but only for teens ages 13 to 15. Uh, why not restrict it for 16 and 17 year olds as well? Uh, Senator, my understanding is that we don't allow sexually explicit content uh, on, on the service for people of any age. Um, the, the, um, How is that going? Uh, you know, our, our, uh, our prevalence metrics suggest that w- 
I think it's 99% or so of the content that we remove, we're able to identify automatically using AI systems. So I think that our efforts in this, while they're not perfect, I think are industry leading. Um, the, the other Well, Mike Lee wasn't that bad there. Not as bad as I think um, Josh Hawley is. Uh, and again, I, I know you're a politician. I know you're running for office. I, I know you got to raise money. I know this is all big grandstanding and this looks great. And this is, you know, what the crowd wants to hear because that crowd in that room wanted blood today. But I'm just telling you right now, you are enabling what is inevitable, the inevitable government takeover of the Internet, of social media and content. You heard Mike Lee talk about how Instagram's not allowing this content, that content, that content that can easily be. We're not allowing uh, content that that uh, says climate change isn't real. We're not we're not allowing people to see content that says the covid vaccine has uh, is not is not effective. We're not allowing content that says that. I mean, you, you go on and on with this. You, you know this, right? I mean, well, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But anyway, here's Josh Hawley cut three. So you didn't oh, take any action. You didn't That's take any true, action. Senator. You didn't fire anybody. You haven't That's compensated a single not, victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? And this is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing industry big efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. You know, why, Mr. Zuckerberg, why should your company not be sued for this? Why is it that you can claim you hide behind a liability shield, you can't be held accountable? All right. Um, if you go down that road, you're going to have the government take control. There's just no doubt about it. All right. Uh, Christopher Ray also talked about China today. And the FBI director gave an ominous warning about China's cyber threat to the United States homeland and national security. Cut number four. What we're up against, the PRC has a bigger hacking program than that of every major nation combined. In fact... In fact, if you took every single one of the FBI's cyber agents and intelligence analysts and focused them exclusively on the China threat, China's hackers would still outnumber FBI cyber personnel by at least 50 to 1. It's a lot of, a lot of Chinese hackers there. So let's turn our attention to some polls that came out today, huh? Because they are not good news for Joe Biden. Oof, ah, these are bad. Devastating set of polls shows Trump comfortably ahead of Biden in seven of the most important swing states. Seven. All right. According to seven separate surveys conducted in North Carolina, Nevada, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania and Arizona. Trump boasts leads in every single one. Every single one. Let me say those states again. North Carolina, Nevada, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan. Pennsylvania and Arizona. Trump has a lead in every single one. Trump's widest margin of victory would come in the only one of those states that he won in 2020, North Carolina. He's up by 10. Nevada and Georgia, he's up by eight. Wisconsin and Michigan, he's up by five. 
Pennsylvania, he's up by three. Arizona, he's up by three. Trump won in every single one of those states back in 2016. But lost every one except for uh, North Carolina four years later. Well, leaving aside cheating and dead people voting for a second, I think if people change their mind about Trump from 2016 to 2020, they're going to change it back. I do. I really believe that. If if there is, and I know, I because I know people who did, they voted for him in uh, 2016, and then in 2020, they didn't like his tweets. They thought he was mean, and but they couldn't stand Hillary Clinton. But they're voting for Trump again. So they realized they were wrong, made a huge mistake. So you can keep the dead from voting. If you can make sure that the, they can't steal the election, you can make sure mail-in ballots are actually legit and that Republicans embrace it and do the right thing and actually use that. I think people who voted for Joe Biden legitimately in 2020 are a hundred, not a hundred percent, but they are going to change their mind. I'm not talking about hardcore Democrats. I'm talking about the people that went for Trump in 2016 and then did not go for him in 2020 for whatever reason they now regret it. You know, a lot of people just hated Hillary Clinton and they said, Joe Biden's not Hillary Clinton. I said that. Remember I was warning you back in 2020. I, I kept saying, be careful because Joe Biden's not Hillary. You know, people don't hate him the way they hate her. There was a visceral hatred for Hillary Clinton. Well, now they may not hate Biden, but they hate what Biden's done to America. They hate this economy. They hate this, the, the, the open borders. They, they hate it. They hate the crime. They hate all of it. So if you are somebody who changed your vote from 2016 to 2020 because you thought, well, it's Biden, it's not Hillary. Now you're dealing with it. You're changing your vote back to Trump. That's the bottom line. The real clear politics average of polls puts um, uh, it, it's, it's not good. I mean, it's really not good. The average margin of victory Trump over Biden right now is three point nine percent. Three point nine percent. I mean, at, at this rate, Trump may pick up blue states. He may flip blue states. I'm not kidding. It's going to be a disaster. This is going to be a disaster for the Democrats. Trump is in the strongest position he's ever been ever. And the case in Georgia is falling apart. Nathan Wade, who is the um, boyfriend of Phony Willis. Nathan Wade is the guy who um, was hired to be the special prosecutor and was getting $700,000 and then taking his gumata, the, the district attorney, out on these lavish cruises and hotels in Napa Valley and wine country and everything else. Well, that guy just settled his divorce. He doesn't have to testify, but that doesn't mean the case is over because Georgia knows there's a conflict of interest, and now Georgia is looking to punish the district attorney for this massive conflict of interest. And there's a whole other story that broke today about Fawny Willis. The Washington Free Beacon obtained audio of Fawny Willis telling her top aide um, she was misusing federal funds. Instead of firing the aide, Fannie Willis, Fawny Willis fired the whistleblower. So the whistleblower came to her. Say, listen, your top eight is misusing federal funds. And the whistleblower got fired. The whistleblower got fired. Here's a little bit of the audio from the Washington Free Beacon Cut 5. What we're up against. If you had to give me a sentence, what is the sentence thing? Once I told him about his respectfully and in an email about his lack of leadership and the fact that he wanted to do things with grants that were impossible and i kept telling him like we can't do that and questioning stuff he would take me off projects tell people i wasn't doing what i was supposed to because i questioned him 
because I understood. I helped write that grant. I knew what was in that grant. He told everybody in front of Crystal, Deontay, everybody, we're going to get MacBooks. We're going to do that. We're going to get swag. We're going to use it for travel. I said, you cannot do that. It's a very, very specific grant. Took me off. I questioned Junior DA. There's kids in there from out of the, the, um, the county, all this took me off junior DA. I didn't not want to do it. He made it look as if I wasn't doing what I needed to do because I questioned him because so, I knew for a fact, Mr. Cuffey respectfully did not know what he was doing, so, period. So I respect that is your assessment. Um, it was clear to me that you and Mr. Cuffey were not getting along. And I'm not saying that your assessment is wrong. I want you to really listen to the words I'm saying. Cuffy, and this is my personal opinion to one woman to another, is dangerous to your administration. He tells people, when I reached out to you, he told me, oh, um, you think your word is safe? Um, exactly when you reached out to Miss um, Willis, she called me and told me, she tell me everything. So once you reach out to her, she's gonna reach up back out to me. So I didn't even go to HR because he put Dexter's name on my PDP and I didn't even feel safe going to anybody. Can I tell you something? Mm -hmm. I have three supervisors that have failed in this building. What's interesting to me, because I'm in a learning curve too, they each pretend to have a relationship with me that they do not have. Mm -hmm. I guess that's an intimidation tactic. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you felt that way, but you, <coughs> Dexter certainly don't have no relationship with uh, right. Michael Cuffey. You were safe to go those places. So the, the person here that uh, is the whistleblower, I, sh I should have mentioned that to you as well. The, the name of the person is Amanda Thompson who was the Fulton County Juvenile Diversion Programs Manager. And Fawnie Willis axed her, axed her, A-X-E-D, axed her after she came to her and told her about this manager who was mishandling federal funds. She didn't deny the allegations, but she fired her, got rid of her, less than a year into her tenure as a Fulton County District Attorney. Willis met with Amanda Timpson, an employee in the district attorney's office responsible for giving nonviolent juvenile offenders alternatives to the juvenile court system. During their conversation, a recording of which was reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon, Timpson claimed to Willis that she had been demoted after attempting to stop a top Willis campaign aide from misusing federal grant money meant for a youth gang prevention initiative. According to Timpson, the aide, Michael Cuffey, planned to use part of the $488,000 federal grant earmarked for the creation of a Center for Youth Empowerment and Gang Prevention to pay for swag, computers, and travel. He wanted to do things with grants that were impossible, and I kept telling him, like, we can't do that. We're going to get MacBooks. We're going to get swag. We're going to use it for travel. I said, you cannot do that. It's a very, very specific grant. I respect it as your assessment. The district attorney responded, and I'm not saying your assessment is wrong. Later in the conversation, Willis apologized to Timpson and said Cuffey had failed her administration. But less than two months later, Willis abruptly terminated the whistleblower and had her escorted out of the building by seven armed investigators, according to the whistleblower. When she filed the whistleblower complaint the following year, she alleged that wrongful termination had occurred. Willis's office issued a statement describing Timpson as a holdover from the prior administration. who was terminated because of her failure to meet the standards of the new administration. This experience sheds further light in how Fawny Willis, who campaigned on the promise of restoring integrity to the district attorney's office and for going after Donald Trump, has come under fire amid revelations that she tapped her lover, Nathan Wade, 
to handle the office's racketeering case against former President Donald Trump. Willis is also alleged to have misappropriated taxpayer funds to facilitate her affair with Wade, a married man with scant prosecutorial experience. To Jimson, these twin uh, incidents demonstrate a pattern in Fawny Willis's conduct. My case and Nathan Wade's case are very similar when you break them down point by point. Ethical violations, abuse of power, and the misuse of county, state, and federal funds. So this case is done. I'm telling you right now, this case is done. Which is why when you look at these national polls and Trump is winning in every single of the seven states that matter, Trump is going to win. He's going to beat Joe Biden. He's going to be the next president of the United States of America. Donald Trump is going to win. If Joe Biden's a candidate. And I'm not so sure he's going to be. And when we come back, James O'Keefe posts a video where he talks about somebody in the White House. He talked to a person in the White House. James O'Keefe is wearing a disguise. And this person goes on about how they know they have to make a change. So I'm telling you, this is being discussed uh, openly behind closed doors in D.C. He didn't think that it was James O'Keefe he was telling to, but these conversations are happening. That is the big story of the day, and it's brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, venariadental.com. Go see him today. He's my dentist, and he's a great guy and a great friend, and you will love the work of Venaria Dental, venariadental.com. And it is a great time to get to Cherry Hill Volvo because Cherry Hill Volvo is having an amazing sale right now. How about a beautiful S60 courtesy vehicle for less than $29,000? It's incredibly an incredible opportunity to experience luxury for less. These are courtesy S60s with less than 5,000 miles. They are selling right now for less than twenty nine grand. There are a limited number available, so don't wait on this one. Right now, Cherry Hill Volvo is undergoing a massive renovation to their dealership in order to serve you even better. They're open, they have ample inventory, and they are ready to meet you today. So why not start the year off with a luxury vehicle that you deserve? A Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. It's a great time to visit with many incredible incentives available. Again, hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo to get a courtesy S60 Volvo for less than $29,000. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey, right across the bridge. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Actually, oh, I just got a link from Matt DeSantis to the Bloomberg Morning Console poll. This ain't good. This just came out today, Wednesday, January 31st. 
So let's go through this, shall we? The states that matter, because I don't care about national polls. They're irrelevant. Let's talk about the seven states that will actually decide this election. Let's start with Arizona. We'll go alphabetical. Arizona has Trump up by three. Georgia has Trump up by eight. So the prosecution against him has really hurt him in Georgia. Michigan, Trump's up by five. Nevada, Trump is up by eight. North Carolina, Trump's up by 10. Pennsylvania, Trump's up by three. Wisconsin, Trump is up by five. Republicans don't win Wisconsin. So it's not good. That's not good for Joe Biden. And these polls have been consistent. These are not outliers. These are consistent polls. They're all showing the same thing. You know, you look at the political science of polling and you look at the trends and the trends are what tell you everything you need to know. So James O'Keefe, you know, he does these undercover videos and his O'Keefe media group. So they sat down. He, I guess he put on prosthetics, put on some makeup, dressed up a little bit. And he, he met with a top White House cyber official. And James O'Keefe is wearing a disguise. And the guy's name is Charlie Crager, a cybersecurity policy analyst and foreign affairs desk officer in the executive office at the White House. And he brings up Michelle Obama in the conversation and says, um, I, had a me- I had a meeting with Michelle Obama. Someone asked her, will you ever run for office? And she said, no, emphatically. She was like, I've seen all this S with my husband. What he had to go through and that does not interest me. But the problem is about how do you remove Kamala Harris from the ticket? Because what kind of message are you going to send to like African-American voters? People would be like, what the F? She's a woman and she's multiracial. So how do you get rid of her? Well, I outlined a strategy for you yesterday and what they do. (coughs) Justice Sonia Sotomayor is very unhappy on the Supreme Court. So she retires and they say to her, look, uh, you, you can't be Ruth Bader Ginsburg here. You got to retire when we have a Democrat in the White House. They nominate Kamala Harris and the Senate confirms her. They get her off the ticket. Then Joe Biden has a stroke, an epiphany, whatever. And then they can replace him and not have to worry about woke being upset because she just axed the first woman of color vice president. Here's a little bit of James O'Keefe's conversation with him. I work the so you're, you're pretty high up in the government. Yeah, I'm fairly high up. I'm good at keeping secrets. And so I manage two federal agencies, mm-hmm. the State Department and USAID. So when you say sec- it's like security, like you're protecting... The networks of the federal agencies pro- that you give all your information to. The mission is to protect right. yes. information. And we, sir, we, we are like the president's voice when we go into meetings in terms of discussing and, and promoting the president's priorities. Is he, is he going to be the, the nominee? Yes. And she will be the vice president nominee. Yeah, I don't... There was a debate about removing her from the ticket, but sadly they didn't. She can't keep black staff. They quit on her in mass. But with him, I yeah, mean, I know. I know. he's got I know. dementia. Um, yeah, well, he's definitely slowing down. Well, they know that he has those issues. I think so. But they're not willing the to say it. Shows it. And, they're not and willing to say correct. it publicly. And same thing but with Kamala Harris. Is she's not popular, but you can't remove the first black lady to be vice president from the... 
presidential ticket? Like, what kind of message are you going to send to, like, all the African-American voters? How would you spin that? People would be like, what the f***? Like, like she's a woman and she's multiracial. I think I think that they're really concerned about this. But they won't say it. Well, I guess if they say it publicly, Correct. Biden they is, publicly. is uh, no, no. they can't say it publicly. No, no, they've got it. They got to they say the it line. privately? But they won't say it publicly. Correct. Biden they is, is uh, no, no. they can't say it publicly. No, no, they've got it. They got to the line. they say it privately? I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling just, you what I've heard. Like, you're, just, yep. you're just telling me the truth. Does it make sense? No, but that's, I mean, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I've had a meeting with Michelle Obama at one point when I was an intern, and someone asked her, will you ever run for office? And she said no, emphatically. Really? I've seen all the my husband has had to go through, and that does not interest me. <laughs> now, <clears throat> my theory about Kamala Harris is as good as any other theory. Sonia Sotomayor is unhappy in the job. She steps down as Supreme Court because uh, she can't risk the fact that she's 70 years old and diabetic. I told you that guy on CNN yesterday laid it all out. She's 70 years old. She's diabetic. This is going to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Trump's going to win. You might have four years, eight years, could be 12 years of Republicans in the White House. They will appoint conservative justices, this is exactly... They blame Ruth Bader Ginsburg for overturning Roe v. Wade, you know. But if the notorious RBG had just left when Obama was president, they could have replaced her, but these people die in their chair. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg thought Hillary would win. And Hillary would appoint a lefty lunatic to take her spot. And I told everybody, I remember telling in 2016, I kept pleading with people, look, if you don't like Trump, you have to vote for him because of the Supreme Court. It doesn't matter if you don't like him. There were people very bitter from that primary between him and Ted Cruz, and I was begging people, please, you got to hold your note, hold your nose, hold your nose. But by all means, you need to vote for him for the United States Supreme Court. And then Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, and then Trump was able to appoint her successor. The point is that Democrats don't want to make that mistake again. So if they put pressure on Sotomayor, then this solves their problem. You put Kamala Harris on the court, she'll get confirmed by the Senate. And then now Biden can step down and then you just replace him with Gavin Newsom and, you know, you roll the dice that hopefully Gavin Newsom can beat Trump because he's younger and doesn't have Biden's failure all over him. And Trump will do, I think, a very good job of what showing what Gavin Newsom's record is really like and exposing all that. But, you know, I think in my opinion, uh, it was a mistake to bring him on Fox News and show him all warm and fuzzy. I, I think it was a mistake. I think Gavin Newsom is a, is a snake. He's hiding and he's waiting. He's just waiting for his chance. He's just waiting. And if given the opportunity, he will jump. He will pounce. He will do it. And the Democrats now know Biden's going to lose. And they are terrified of Donald Trump being in the White House for four years as a lame duck who can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. There's nothing they can do to him. This is the problem. That's the problem. If Michelle Obama doesn't really want to do it, if my friend Susie is correct, then that's that. There's nothing you can, you can do about it. So that would be the easy, easy fix for the Democrats. I know that that theory's out there. But if she doesn't want to do it, she doesn't want to do it. So Gavin's ready to go, you know? And they just have to deal with the Kamala Harris problem. That woman on the video with James O'Keefe said it. You can't just lose the first woman of color like that and expect that the left's not going to freak out because the left's going to freak out. That's the problem. 
This is what Sonia Sotomayor said as she was whining to college students or law students over the weekend. She went on and on about how unhappy she is in the job. I think this is all a psyop, if you ask me. Take a listen. Change happens because people care about moving the arc of the universe towards justice. And it can take time. And it can take frustration. I live in frustration. (laughs) Um, And as you heard, every loss truly traumatizes me in my stomach and in my heart. Um, But I have to get up the next morning and keep on fighting. So. This guy goes on CNN yesterday, and she was speaking at uh, UC Berkeley, by the way. This guy goes on CNN yesterday and says, Justice Sotomayor should consider whether it's time to step down. Josh Barrow said he was surprised that Justice Sonia Sotomayor hasn't retired. He's concerned about the balance of the court, says now's the right time. Had a discussion on CNN this morning about it. Points out that she's almost 70 years old. She's been on the court for 15 years. She has diabetes. Her health is not well. He says now would be the right time for her to step down if she was truly concerned about the country and the direction, can truly concerned about the makeup of the court. Seems like that it would be the right time strategically for her to step down in favor of somebody younger if she's concerned about the political balance on the court. And they have this whole discussion about it on CNN. And I'm sorry, I, I, you know me, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in coincidences. I am Don Corleone like this. I don't believe it's it, it happens like that. We, we like to say people kind. Well, not that's not the right one. It's on label right. Yeah. More inclusive. Shoot. That one said I'm a superstitious man. Oh, well. That one, that was obviously Fidel Castro's son, but I was trying to do uh, Don no, Corleone. No, it was Pierre Trudeau's son. It was definitely Fidel Castro's son that I just played. You heard it. <laughs> Do you not hear that? We, we like to say people kind, you heard that? not necessarily mankind, because uh, yeah. it's more inclusive. That is the son of Pierre Trudeau. That was definitely not Don Corleone. <laughs> that I can agree with, yes. That was definitely not Don Corleone. We can all agree with that, right? Yes, yes. So Henry, that one is mislabeled. I don't know what to do about that. I'll re-upload it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I mean, the people kind one is still people kind, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter. Let's see if it's, maybe it's this one, hang on. I'm a superstitious man. This is it. And if some unlucky accident should befall him, if he should get shot in the head by a police officer, or if he should hang himself in his jail cell, or if he's struck by a bolt of lightning. So anyway, CNN's having this conversation, not because they're just having this conversation. They're having this conversation because they're told to have this conversation. Start putting it in the ether. Start getting it out there. Maybe it won't happen. But if it does happen, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked because the problem for them is they would they would they would drop Joe Biden tomorrow. But Kamala Harris is worse. And they know that. And Donald Trump is going to beat Joe Biden like a drum in this next election. I'm telling you, don't doubt me on this. He's going to win. And all the cheating in the world is not going to stop it. It's not. It's just not going to. It doesn't matter if there's another pandemic. It, It just doesn't matter. I don't care if a dead rise up. It does, no, it does, he's going to win. He's going to win. Republicans just have to do embrace mail and balloting in the states that matter. And he, and he wins. They can't, they can't steal it this time. There's no way. I, they cannot. These polls are too, he's, his lead is too great. They can't. They know they can't. That's why they're panicking. There's nothing they can do. We're all not going to be locked in our homes again. Even if there is another pandemic, 
we're still not going to fall for it. So, I mean, unless people are dropping dead in the streets, we're not going to fall for it. So I, I it's it it's oof, bad, really bad. 855-839-1210 is on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you want to weigh in. And this is the big story of the day today, brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, my dentist, my friend, the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria. Go see him today. So how do you stop cyberbullying with kids? Can you stop cyberbullying with kids? And should we renew the FISA law, which gives the government the ability to spy on American citizens? And what about that awful beheading in Pennsylvania? Why did it take YouTube six hours to remove the video? All that straight ahead. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. You want everybody to fall asleep? I like it, but it's a little low energy for you, of all people. Here we go. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Just kidding. I love Steely Dan. I do too, actually. Shocked that you know who they are. Makes me happy. Gives me hope. Yeah. Gives me hope. I feel like a lot of people my age like Steely Dan. Are they are they back now? Are they in? Yeah, I'd say they're in. It's good. Tony Soprano helps. A lot of Sopranos fans. There's a scene where Tony's driving to this to this song. Mm. I think that turned a lot of people on to him. Do you think it turned a lot of people back on a journey? The Sopranos. I, mean? I, don't, I don't know if Journey ever left. Okay, that's fair. Um, a buddy of mine for his birthday every year he plays uh, Hey Nineteen for his birthday. You know what I mean? Whenever he because he feels like he's getting older. Yeah. So, um, very nice, good stuff. All right, I got nothing left, so might as well just hang out till <laughs> till six o'clock and. <laughs> That's not I feeling for Levin. You've got a ways to go. Tapped out. <laughs> Gotta be on the air till nine. So we have our own contest. We're going to announce at 525 today uh, what we're gonna do. Our big our big contest that we're gonna give away to one lucky listener of the show. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're gonna do that a little bit later in the show. Oh, um, you see now John Kerry stepped down as a climate czar? You know who's taking his place, Matt DeSantis? No. Who's that? John Podesta. Oh. John Podesta. Which now suddenly I'm craving a slice of pizza. I don't know why. I'm always craving pizza. That's why. Oh, just kidding. Relax. Lighten up, people. White House Senior Advisor John Podesta will replace John Kerry as U.S. Special Climate Change Envoy. He announced earlier this month he would step down from the top climate job to work on President Joe Biden's reelection campaign. Podesta is like one of those people that just never goes away. He's like something at the bottom of a shoe, and he never goes away. It's amazing to me. That's like how a lot of these people are. They just keep turning up. Uh, Disneyland posted a woke wheel of privilege in the employee kitchen, and then they removed it after people complained, and there was a Daily Wire inquiry about it. Things like this make people feel unwelcome. It destroys the magic. Posters featuring a wheel of power slash privilege were hung in employee spaces in Disneyland, instructing employees that being white, Cisgender male and even speaking English means you have unearned privilege that your marginalized coworkers do not, according to images obtained by the Daily Wire. I got news for you. If you can afford to go to Disneyland, you have privilege. Congratulations. That should be the definition right there. You can afford to take your family to Disneyland or Disney World. You, my friend, have privilege. 
because it's a lot of money. It's a whole lot of cash. Apparently, it's so complicated to go to Disney now that people are hiring, um, I guess, some sort of outside travel No, that's advisor. what we did. Well, Mark Teruso, you know Mark Teruso in yeah. sales? Great guy. His wife, Jen, that's what she does. She books Disney trips for people. Oh, wow. And mm. you got to do it. They don't charge you anything. They get a commission. You have to do it because it's a complicated thing. You got to book your meals. You got to figure out, you know, your dinner times and you got to time it with the one you can go on this ride and that ride. And it's a whole thing. I will. It's it, it's too complicated. Don't go back there. Don't do it. But I'm just saying it's. Yeah. Apparently, if you don't use a travel advisor, you end up wasting thousands of dollars potentially. Yeah. Jen did a great job for us. I, I mean, really, truly. But even with Jen's help, I made the mistake at one point of. I told you I, I ordered a bourbon. You know, it, it, oh, yeah, at the Magic Kingdom, they don't have um, alcohol. I think one place does. And then in the their version of Epcot, which is the California Adventureland, they do. And I went to a, a bar in the middle of the day, <laughs> drowned my sorrows. And I had an old-fashioned with a big ball of ice in it. And then I wanted a just a, a, a bourbon on the, uh, you know, just a little bourbon with a, with a big ice cube in it. And they charged me $4.25 for that ice cube. Jeez. $4.25. Now, if you can afford a $4.25 ice cube, <laughs> you, my friend, have privilege. The poster asks, why should we accept that we have privileges? It provides no answer. By accepting that we have privileges, we can see that not everyone sees the world from our perspective and that we have privileges in our life that have hindered our awareness of the world. Privilege can be based on a variety of different social identities, such as race, gender, religion, socioeconomic status, ability status, sexuality, age, education level, and more. Within, within the U.S., members of social groups that hold privileges, white, male, wealthy, able-bodied, etc., have historically held dominance and power over targeted groups. And I love, too, how Disney Disney just announced that they are raising the price of their Disney Plus subscription. So if you want to have your kids brainwashed with Disney propaganda, it's going to cost you an extra few bucks a month. But again, if you can afford that, you may have privilege. I'm just I'm using I'm using the Disneyland wheel of privilege just as my example there. You know what I'm saying? They announced that change yesterday, as a matter of fact. So. Have you seen those commercials for the Apple Vision Pro? This is a headset. I guess this is Apple's alternative to the Oculus headset that Meta rolled out. And I'm sitting there with my son the other day, Patrick, watching the game and thinking to myself, my God, this is the future. Our kids are going to be running around wearing these things all day, living in a different world and forget. So we forget texting with their friends or being on social media. They're going to be going into these worlds together. And you talk about not having any oversight of what goes on in those worlds, unless you as a parent put a headset on and you're sitting there with them in that place. Good good luck. Apple's Vision Pro, they say it's the best headset yet. You, it's virtual reality. So you put it on and you experience a virtual world and you can do all kinds of different things. You can hike a mountain. You can exercise. You can do all kinds. You can have relations. <laughs> I didn't see that description. Ew. Well, you know that's coming. <laughs> you know it's coming. I thought the coolest app was uh, this 
one called Crouton, which is a, apparently an application designed specifically for this headset that walks you through the cooking process. So you can make all these delicious recipes as if you're a chef and it uses graphics um, courtesy of the, the, I pop up in front of you courtesy of it, these it goggles. Augmented reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty neat. What is the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality? Augmented reality is you're still seeing all of your surroundings. Oh, so it's like Tony Stark's glasses, yes. in other words. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. So, for, for example, if you're boiling water, or sorry, if you're cooking pasta, you throw it into the water, it needs to be 10 minutes. You can actually put a timer on that pot through this augmented reality. Uh, it tells you, you know, your 10 minutes is up and you need to remove the pasta. Or you can just well, take a piece and... <laughs> Throw it against the wall and see if it's done well, like everybody else. It, it helps you through the cooking process in other ways. That's you know what? I'll, you know what I'll do instead? I'll just set a timer for 10 minutes versus paying $3,700 for this freaking thing. Because that's what it, that's the opening price on this. Oh, I'm sorry, $3,500. $3,499 Vision Pro. And they're saying it's going to be a privacy nightmare? Yeah, apparently um, because you're wearing it in your household, it's got the capabilities of mapping your home and knowing what other devices are present. Um, and it'll fight I, those devices? I don't know if it'll fight the devices, but there was also uh, – the, the Washington Post actually reported this – that because you're wearing this Vision Pro all day long theoretically, it picks up on your mannerisms, um, which are as individualistic as a thumbprint. So they'd be able to tell, uh, I guess, as uh, they're able to identify you better than if you were just walking around with a cell phone, obviously. Hmm. So if you just throw on like a, one of these Vision Pro, just a random Vision Pro, um, it'll Apple will be able to identify you theoretically as you know Rich Zioli because of the mannerisms you're using with that specific Pro versus the mannerisms you used on one that you had worn previously. I don't know anything you just said, but it, all I know is that I'm not spending 3500 bucks on it. <laughs> That's what I know. Uh, all right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll monitor that developing story for you. Tell me if you're going to spend 3500 bucks. Let me know. And speaking of big tech, a judge has ordered Elon uh, Tesla to undo Elon Musk's $56 billion pay package as the government continues its uh, war against Elon Musk for making Twitter an open platform. That just came out. A few moments ago. And the other thing, too, that I wanted to mention when we're talking about woke is the question of whether or not um, William Shatner is right, because I think he is. And he scolded the European Union over their plan to censor gendered language in an iconic Star Trek intro. So we'll grab that audio for you as well of William Shatner scolding the European Union for their censorship and their nonsense. Well, it's actually not audio. He, he, well, I don't know if he put a video of this or not. I'm trying to see this. I see it on social media. I don't know if there's a video that accompanies it. But, um, well, we'll see. We'll take a look at this as we continue with the show today. And most importantly, more than anything, the question is, should the government renew Section 702 of the FISA Act, which enables you to be spied on by your government. That is the big story of the day today, brought to you by Venaria Dental, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. My buddy, my friend, Dr. Mike Venaria, he is the best. Go see him today. You want to see him today for that perfect smile, VenariaDental.com. Coming up, Mark Houck was arrested by the FBI for an alleged assault outside an abortion clinic. The jury found him not guilty. But yesterday, 
Six pro-lifers were found guilty in Nashville, Tennessee, and are facing 11 years in prison as the Biden Department of Justice continues its weaponization against conservatives. We'll talk about that. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 530 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. So six pro-lifers are going to prison now because the Biden Department of Justice is hell-bent on going after people whose views they disagree with. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 30 minutes of nonstop talk for you. And our big story of the day today is Donald Trump's polling numbers in the seven states that matter are off the charts. He's crushing it. And he's going to win, in my opinion. I think he's going to win big. That's brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A. Go see Dr. Mike today for your perfect smile, Dr. Mike Venaria. So yesterday, as I reported, six pro-lifers who were praying and singing hymns uh, outside an abortion clinic, uh, they were arrested, raided by the feds, and found guilty of violating the FACE Act, which is the Abortion Clinic Access Act. The woman who runs the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice is hell-bent on going after people. Her name is Kristen Clark. And she's an activist. She's a pro-abortion activist, and she's a huge lefty. And she has turned her office into a weaponized office to go after people who are pro-life. And here to talk about it with us is a man who experienced that firsthand, Mark Houck. Mark, welcome back to the show. How you doing, my friend? Hi, Rich. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks, thanks. Thanks so much. And yesterday's uh, verdict came on the anniversary of my own verdict. How about that for the irony in there? The anniversary of your verdict where you were found not guilty by a federal jury, right? That's right. That's Thank right. God. A year ago yesterday. It's hard to believe it was a year. Time flies. But you still were subjected to the FBI raiding your house, dragging you out in front of your family on a Sunday morning, a perp walk, shackled and chained, all of it. I mean, this is the intimidation. Yeah, the process is the punishment, right? I mean, they, they, they really want to humiliate and instill fear and this is exactly what, what uh, tyrannical governments do. They, they want to cripple you. They want to paralyze you. They want to, they want to make you afraid to, to go against the state or to exercise your freedoms. And so this is how they get control of people. And, uh, and so, you know, but we're not letting them do it. And, you know, we took on the full force of the government. As you know, we should have lost 98% conviction rate. But you know what? The truth prevailed and the system actually worked, amazingly enough. Good. Um, you know, it worked in your case, but not in the case of these six people who are now facing up to um, 11 years in prison. And this is a real shame. And, you know, I, I, we talk about the weaponization of government. I think people need to understand that if you are somebody who is outside a pro outside an abortion clinic and, and you are praying or something like that, they're, they're going to they're going to try and come after you. And we have to push back on that because, unfortunately, the weaponization of government under this administration it's going nowhere, Mark. It's going nowhere. Look, it's the first time in 250 years that a government like ours is, is weaponized against its own people. But let me say this. 
you know, Martin Luther King affected change by civil disobedience. And what these wonderful pro-lifers, and I've participated in these things myself, what they're doing is, is exercising their First Amendment rights. And, and that civil disobedience, these, these pro-lifers are aware that they're, they're, they're going to be persecuted for it. So, you know, uh, God bless them. They're going to appeal it. They got great attorneys. Um, but, you know, this is part of the cross, as we talked about before. This is, you know, when you're, when you're trying to fight an unjust law, Rich, like this law is, the FACE Act is being misapplied, right? It has nothing to do with people on the outside of the building. And that's exactly what Ted Kennedy said to David Durenberger in 1994. This came up in my case. It has nothing to do with the people outside the building. So, you know, once again, the government uh, abusing their power and, and misapplying this, this bad law. Mark Halk, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for making the time and my best to your family. And we appreciate you coming back on the show. Uh, you're welcome, man. We're running for Congress. So uh, HalkForCongress.com. Thanks so much. All right, Mark. Thank you. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour on the Rich Zioli Show. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. A premier full-service resorting conference center. GrandHotelCapeMay.com. Now, this, um, this, this a terrible story that happened in Pennsylvania, and I'm just going to give you, it's a very graphic story. It's about so if the kids are in the car, um, I'll give you an opportunity to maybe think about the, the following. I have to talk about it. It's a local issue. It's an, actually international at this point. Everybody's talking about it. So this man, Justin Moan, is accused now of um, beheading his father. And um, I'll say accused because he's not been found guilty, although he's admitted to doing it. So he claimed to show the body, uh, the bloody decapitated head of his father. And he put out a 14 minute clip to YouTube. And it was on YouTube for six hours. Took six hours for YouTube to take down deranged Justin Moan's gruesome video where he showed his own father's decapitated head as he railed against the federal government in an anti-woke rant. In, a, in the footage, Mon holds up his father's head in a bloodied plastic bag placed inside a silver bucket, having declared violence is the only solution to the federal government's treason. This is the head of Mike Moan, a federal employee for over 20 years, and my father. He is now in hell for eternity as a traitor to his country. This extreme content remained up for the public to see for nearly six hours before being removed, after which it had already been viewed and shared thousands of times. Similarly, his YouTube page was still active the next day, although the video in question had been taken down by then. Online, the company says violent or gory content intended to shock or disgust viewers or content encouraging others to commit violent acts is not allowed on YouTube and very specifically tells users to not post on YouTube footage of corpses with severe injuries such as severed limbs. Not only did his video show extreme content of a dead body, but he called on others to incite violence. He offered a million-dollar bounty to anyone who could kill top officials, including FBI Director Christopher Wray, Attorney General Merrick Garland, and former Attorney General Bill Barr, as well as urging relatives living with federal employees to murder them. The site's online policy clearly states that you must not incite others to commit violent acts against individuals or a defined group of people. To track down these extremist channels, the platform uses a combination of algorithms and is reliant on people to report content that is not in line with their policies. It said... We remove content that violates our policies as quickly as possible using a combination of people and machine learning to detect potentially problematic content on a massive scale. In addition, we rely on YouTube community as well as experts in our trusted flagger program 
to help us spot potentially problematic content by reporting it directly to us. YouTube was asked about this and um, they didn't really have any, any, any real comment about this. This happened in Bucks County. I mean, this happened not far from where we are. Uh, and it's, um, I mean, what do you even say about this? Is, you know, what a complete and utter friggin' whack job this guy is. Well, we'll I mean, thank God. I don't know how. I don't know by what gift we have not all been tagged with being his accomplice here for believing in limited government or something like this. But maybe that'll come. Maybe the media is already doing it. I don't know. It's possible. I haven't really checked newsbusters or anything yet, but I'm, I'm sure that. That's probably going to happen at some point, you know, that the rhetoric of people like the, that on uh, talk media, social, uh, you know, talk radio and social media and everything that the rhetoric led to this guy doing what he did or something. I'm, I'm sure that that's going to come if it hasn't come already. But uh, this is a um, obviously a deranged, very evil man, and it doesn't matter if his views align with someone's politically i i told you before i don't blame people i don't blame politicians when <coughs> crazy people do evil things i blame the person i don't blame the gun i don't blame the speaker i don't blame the candidate i don't blame i, I blame the person who takes the act period but well here's one headline maga maniac beheads dad live on youtube that is a, a headline that's on um, well, it's on the Drudge Report. No surprise there. So the Drudge puts a link to Bucks County Courier Times. They don't have that headline on there. But I'm sure it'll probably come. I mean, I, I you know, we live in a day and age where we, we, we just can't help, help, but tag everybody with something like this, unless it's a crazy person on the left, in which case then the, per, the crazy person on the left is never, you know, that person's never motivated by, you know, Bernie Sanders rhetoric or something like that. But a crazy person who may be, uh, conservative in his political beliefs, so there's nothing conservative about beheading your father, obviously, that will somehow tag, you know, everybody else on the same political aisle. So hopefully that will not happen. That's all I can say, but it's just a gruesome, gruesome story. I and mean, what else can you say other than it, the guy's a freaking nutbag, whack job, and, and that's about as evil as you get. My God, it's hard to even fathom that something like that can happen. It really is. It's hard to fathom something like that. And of course, with social media, you know, you put that out there and it can stay out there for hours and people see it and they watch it. I chose not to watch it. I just didn't, I, I didn't want to look at it. I don't want to play any of his rant either on the air. I don't want to give this guy any more credit. I really didn't even mean to use his name other than the fact that I was reading the story, but I try to not give these people any, any notoriety. Um, I really do have no interest in doing that. It's kind of been my policy for years, you know? is not to give these people the notoriety that they're seeking because it's obviously what they're looking for. You know, they're looking for fame. They're looking for infamy. They're looking for those things. And I don't want to help them in any way achieve it. But obviously, it's a huge story. It's making international news, and it happened right in our backyard. So on another note, on a happier note, um, the governor of Massachusetts cried. That makes me happy. The governor of Massachusetts cried because they have such an illegal immigrant problem in her state that she has to turn a rec center now into a shelter uh, for illegal immigrants. And she's very upset by that, as you can imagine. So she says she shed some tears. Take a listen. It's okay, because I'm committed to this. Little kids, 
need to be able to breathe clean air. They need to be able to access swimming pools. They need to have lifeguards there who are going to teach them how to swim. And they need to have activities. I don't know what we're going to do for a couple, three months. I'll call universities. I'll call other places. The governor went on to say she is also looking at other locations, but has not said exactly where. Oh, that's so sad. And um, (laughs) well, look, I mean, you you, you sanctuary state mayors and governors, what did you expect was going to happen? This is your party, the Democrat Party calling the president to shut the border down. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. This is what you enabled. You enabled this. This is what you wanted. No person is illegal. I saw the sign. My neighbor had it in their yard. Uh, Democrat Democrat uh, Denver mayor sat down with um, uh, Fox News and talked about what's going on in, in Denver, city of Denver, Colorado right now. And every hotel room in the city of Denver is full. Every single one. Take a listen. I've been back and forth to Denver and... Your folks are very compassionate, nice people, always very welcome. <laughs> but I, I don't think I've ever witnessed them so outraged right now. And I don't think it has anything to do with being anti-migrant. Okay. They just feel like the priorities where the migrants are being prioritized over them. And I was looking at the numbers with the healthcare system. You got 8,000 migrants that are using the ER emergency services, and they visited 20,000 times. And residents are saying, they're being turned away. We have both a humanitarian crisis here and now we have a fiscal crisis, which is we are a welcoming city and also we don't want to cut core city services. But right now we're in this dilemma where we can't get any help from the federal government on work authorization or on controlling entry or on the ability to actually provide resources to cities. So February 5th is the day, unless you know you and council extends it where it looks like you guys are going to cut off. There's going to be a cap of the migrants that are going to be able to to use the facilities. What's going to happen then when when they're not able to be sheltered, they're going to be on the street, I'm assuming. And are you concerned about that? So we've always had a length of stay policy here, which was generally individual adults. Well, anyway, you get the point. It's every, every, you know, the the city's overwhelmed. Every city is like this right now. Every blue city is dealing with this. And this this is something of their own making. And you know a big part of the problem? Big part of the problem? Republicans. Yes, you heard me correctly. Republicans are a big part of the problem. Republicans like Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell has said the number one priority is funding Ukraine. All right. It's funding Ukraine. So Senator Ron Johnson, who's a guy that actually fights for this country and fights for liberty, and is a guy who is called a, you know, the left hates him. And they love McConnell, but they hate Ron Johnson. But thank God for Ron Johnson. And what he says here is 100% right. These people like Mitch McConnell and many others in the Republican Party do not doubt me here. There are a lot of Republicans in the Republican Party who feel exactly the same way about this. Exactly the same way. It's what he told Maria Bartiromo. Take a listen. Well, first of all, none of us have seen a word of text. You know, at least, uh, you know, those of us that aren't involved in negotiations, we haven't seen a word of text on any of this. Not of the the funding supplementals, nor of the, the border bill. And so we really we really don't uh, have you know, the information we need to, to really make a case. But again, what we've seen is alarming. And th- I, I would just say the priorities are just wrong. I think the priorities of Mitch McConnell are wrong. I think the priorities of the President uh, Biden and, and Chuck Schumer are wrong. They're more concerned about Ukraine and protecting its border than our own. We obviously- They are more interested in funding Ukraine and its border than our own. He's 100% right on that. Here's the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer talking about Ukraine and how if they only get more money, they can win. 
But in the Senate, our responsibility is clear. We need to put the needs of our country above the interests of party politics because the security of our southern border is on the line. The security of Israel is on the line. The health and safety of innocent Gaza civilians are on the line. The stability of the Indo-Pacific region is on the line. And finally, as every senator on both sides knows, the survival of Ukraine is on the line. It'll be two years since Vladimir Putin began his illegal savage campaign against the Ukrainian people. American military assistance has been one of the most important lifelines for Ukrainian fighters since the start of the war. But now that aid has run out. Congressional action is required if we want to send additional military assistance. The matter here is very simple, as President Zelensky told us in December. Ukraine will win the war against Russia if more aid is approved by Congress. But if no more aid is approved, Putin will win. We dare not hand Eastern Europe over to Vladimir Putin. The supplemental is how we ensure that Western democracy is protected. The work is not easy. It's very hard. There are still some issues outstanding. But we remain committed to bipartisanship, and we will keep working because we want to get this done. Now, you notice how he lumps everything in there together, Ukraine aid and Gaza and Israel and, of course, the border and the immigration system and blah, 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 all the together. This is what's happening. And Biden's yelling that he doesn't have enough power at the border. He's got more than enough power that he needs. He doesn't need any more. You know who else has enough power? The freaking federal government. That's who. And once again, they are going to renew, and you know they will, Section 702 of the FISA Act. According to Reason.com, it is up for a uh, renewal again almost lost in the recent hubbub over claims that the swift kelsey romance is a cia psyop the likelihood the leading presidential candidates are mental turnips and the tussle between the federal government and texas over border control is the fact that the feds are spying on us and want authorization to continue snooping debate last year over renewing section 702 of the foreign intelligence surveillance act held congress and the president to a brief extension before the holidays That leaves legislators arguing the law's fate before an April deadline with none of the controversy over spying and privacy yet settled. The question is, and we'll talk a a lot more about this as we go on, but you know and I know that they've abused this to spy on American citizens. And they've raised some serious concerns and they've held nobody accountable for this. And once again, we have people screaming, a lot of Republicans too, yelling that we have to renew this, otherwise we're all going to get blown up by terrorists. It allows the FBI to spy on American citizens without warrants. The FBI searched, gathered information millions of times for information on U.S. persons, including citizens, residents, and businesses. For example, in the 12-month period ending November 30th, 2021, FBI reported 4 million person queries. And this is supposed to be about foreign intelligence, but it turns out that it is being used domestically against American citizens. So we will talk about that. As time goes on, as far as Taylor Swift and Jason Kel- Travis Kelsey being a psyop goes, and I see conservatives are fighting with each other about this. Let me ask you this question, Henry. If that was going to make a CIA psyop using Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, wouldn't the psyop actually be to have me fight over whether or not Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift is a psyop? Wouldn't that be the psyop? Yeah, no, you make a good point there. Right. I would, I would think so. I mean, if you if you really want to create a psychological operation, 
you start talking about how something's a psychological operation. Then you have everybody fight over the fact and get distracted by all the other things that are going on in the world. That is, I think, a textbook how, you know, operation of how a psyop works, right? It's a psyop within a psyop. Yeah. Or it's a, it's a riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a combo pretzel that doesn't have enough cheese in it. Thank you, Donald Sutherland. Thank you. <laughs> oh, time to announce our contest. So we're bringing back <laughs> the movie mystery clip. And let's see if I can find, I got to get some details here because I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I got a lot of my, my, my Twitter was blowing up this morning and I, I wasn't really paying attention to it. I had to run to the Home Depot. You know, and I always feel manly when I do that. I really do. I feel like a man when I go to Home Depot. I don't know what the hell I'm doing there or what I'm looking for. And I tend to return most of the things because I buy the wrong things. Like I bought two new light bulbs for my basement with lights and I bought the wrong size. So now I got to take them back. (laughs) Well, as long as you walk in there like confidently, that's all that matters. Yeah. You just got to be a man about it. You know what I mean? You just got to be a man and you got to do it. You know, and, and, and none of that, none of that. No asking for help. Nothing. So, since Kale and Company announced that they're giving away a Disney cruise, we, on this only show, uh, people are wondering what we're going to give away. And um, <laughs> I want to thank Ornery Hounds for coming up with it. I think this is the perfect, perfect prize to give our audience. It's very Zioli Army-ish. I don't know how we're going to figure out exactly who wins the contest, but here's what you're going to get. A four-person canoe you can borrow. You row across the Delaware River yourself just like George Washington, and then you have to give us the canoe back when you're done. But we're going we're gonna to give you, we're going to let you borrow a canoe. You can paddle across the Delaware. And I'm going to throw in a George Washington hat, a replica hat. It's very generous. And you can paddle across the Delaware like Washington on Christmas Eve about to go fight some Hessians. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like that. I'm also going to throw in. It's a runner-up prize. And all expenses, uh, boat ride between Camden and Philadelphia on my friend Frank's boat. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and um, you're going to get a Philly pretzel and a hot dog. But you have to pay for the food because we can't give out the food. <laughs> so, But we're going to give that to you and then I'm just going to charge you for that. So I'm excited. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic, and I think we're gonna. This is gonna be very big for us. It's almost as good as a cruise. It's almost as good as an all expenses paid Disney cruise for your family. It's 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 a, it's look. It's the next best thing. There's a boat. There's food. There's a boat. There's food. I mean, you know, not. We're not gonna give you the food, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's just like that. There's no activities for your kids, and there's there's no accommodations, and it, it's a twenty minute trip. But other than that, it's just like that. So I think you should wear Mickey Mouse ears as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? Right. Uh, then it's basically then it's exactly the same. I'll throw in a stuffed Mickey Mouse doll. How about that? <laughs> I w- I'll give you one of Reagan's used Minnie Mouse dolls that she tore into when she was teething. I'm gonna throw that in as well. <laughs> this is the ultimate prize bundle package that we here in Afternoon Drive get to give you. All right. And I want to make a point. This is not a national contest. This lucky winner will get all that crap I just listed. All right. Any questions? I I think it sounds very generous. How do we enter, Rich? Henry, I'm glad you asked. I have no idea <laughs> because all contests have to be approved by Odyssey Corporate. 
which involves 11 emails and 19 lawyers, four program director consultations, and ultimately, of course, the answer being no. So this probably won't happen. I think by federal law, I'm required to say it's not a real contest, according to FCC law. <laughs> just in case just nobody in case, can figure that out. Yeah, just in case you couldn't tell that I was being sarcastic about the fact that we never have anything to give away on this show, ever. But <laughs> my friend Frank's dinghy, you're going to get a little ride across the Delaware. Ding, ding. He'll wear a captain's hat for you. And just to make it romantic, here's what we're going to really do. Ready? We'll put a table couple candles and Frank will go below deck. Now there is no below deck, but what he'll do is he'll um, turn around and turn his back to you. And you can pretend like you were on a romantic yacht as you go by the scenic beauty of Camden, New Jersey. <laughs> can split the hot dog like the lady in the tramp. Exactly. Right. Beautiful. <laughs> right on top of the cooler that we have wedged in the back seat. I'm going to raise the stakes one more time. I'm also going to include a bottle of champagne. Now, of course, we can't actually give away alcohol because that would require 24 Odyssey lawyers, 16 contract renewals, and 14 different CEOs and VPs telling us no. But I'm going to throw in an old bottle of sparkling cider that I bought for the kids for Christmas and we never opened. You know that Martinelli cider? It's like two bucks. I love that stuff. Yeah, well, I got you the organic kind. Organic (laughs) cider, not hard cider. You'll get that, too. On my friend Frank's boat with a table and a candle and a hot dog and a pretzel. And Frank will run you around. the. Uh, you can't go by the Philly skyline. We don't have that kind of budget. It's dinghy will go around the Camden skyline for 20 minutes. <laughs> One lucky winner. And this isn't during the summer, either. This is, like, next month, right? Yeah, no, this has to be in the winter months. You have to you have to use this by by March 31st. <laughs> you, so. need, you need the full, like, Washington experience. You know, right. Crossing it in the frigid Yeah, Frank will wear a Washington hat. He'll be like George Washington, <laughs> and you can be like Washington's men. Or you can take the romantic option. It's up to you. It's up, <laughs> you, your choice. So I think this is huge. And I'm thankful to the promotions department for finally giving us a contest prize we can give away. So, Even though it's obviously not a real prize, I have to say that under FCC policy and regulation, in case anyone's wondering, not a real prize. They don't give us those anymore. I don't know what I did. It's all right. It's a shame, too. I watched a lot of movies in the past year. I got a lot of quotes built up. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Well, apparently I have no juice, Mo. (laughs) What can I tell you? Please state that it's not a real prize one more time because we have people calling in. Okay, let me just say for the record one more time, this is not a real prize. (laughs) And um, I'm sorry, I have nothing to offer you. You can get, if you do want Reagan's chewed up Minnie Mouse doll, (laughs) I will give you that. I don't care. You don't have to win anything, just... I'll give it to you. Swing by the house. Yeah, just no, not come by my house, but come by the station. I'll just leave it for you. Leave by the security guard. People are actually calling. We got a couple. Yeah. Hmm. Should I screen it? Well, we have to take a break. We do. All right, we have to take a break. But you know what? Because I've got to get ready for the Mark Levin show, which starts at six o'clock, six to nine p.m. But maybe tomorrow. We'll take some calls, and we'll have a fake contest for a fake prize. That's how about a fake contest for a fake prize tomorrow on the show. We that sounds even, fun. We get it's fake a, sounders for it, too. We'll do fake sounders, fake prize, fake contest. I'm in. Who's in? You in? Nah, count me I'm in. I'm down. All right, let's do it. Done. Tomorrow. This time tomorrow, we'll do a fake contest with a fake prize, fake sound effects, fake everything. 
your chance to win nothing and like it. You get nothing and like it. All right? Good. Uh, let me tell you about my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist, and he is the master of dental implants, the master of making you look and feel your greatest with a million-dollar smile. I recommend you book an appointment to see Dr. Mike today. I've been telling you about Dr. Mike for years. My entire family goes to Dr. Venaria because the level of care and commitment to dental excellence that Dr. Mike and his staff delivers to every patient is unmatched. He's been delivering results that surpass expectations that has made him a top dentist in New Jersey for 10 consecutive years. He has one of the most respected reputations among his peers as a master of dental implants. So if you've been on the fence about getting that dental procedure done, reach out to Dr. Mike today. You have a choice, a clear choice for you and your family. Give Dr. Venaria a call. I promise you won't be disappointed with two locations to serve you in Cinnaminson and Woodbury, Schedule your free implant consultation today for your perfect smile. Call 856-786-2020, 856-786-2020, or visit VenariaDental.com. That's V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. First of all, I had a laugh as I was listening to all the little tech executives today in front of the Senate. I had a laugh for two reasons. Number one, the grandstanding by these senators is just, oh, that's just unbelievable. So much grandstanding. The second thing is to to listen to these tech CEOs who are all billionaires act like they really care. You know what I mean? Like they, like they care. is also charming and cute. We talked about this yesterday. In Florida, there's a bill right now to ban social media use for kids 16 and under. And I took calls on it. We read a lot of tweets on it. We all kind of as a team agreed, and I think you and I would agree with this point, if you were listening during that part of the show, that we all think it's a bad idea. It's got wonderful consequence, intended consequences. But what, what always happens is with these things are the unintended consequences. And that's the problem is that as I was listening to this today, I kept thinking about these are the sites that young people are most commonly using that we know of. But we don't know what we don't know, and we don't know about all the other sites that they're on that because they're way ahead of us in this in this area. They're way ahead of us. You know, there are teenagers right now using apps that we as adults may not find out about for a year or something like that. And the only reason we'll find out about it is because something will happen to someone or it'll be, it'll be a bad news situation that brings it forward. But the biggest problem with making people with banning people on social media until they hit a certain age of 16 is that you're actually letting them on social media probably at the the time when they're going to be impacted the, the most emotionally yeah, because they're they're at that that point where they're going to start internalizing a lot of this stuff and and feeling bad about themselves and there's as the girls are going to their sweet 16 and they're getting ready for the prom and then all that stuff but it's very hard to police that and and it's very hard for these social media companies to police that too. I mean, yeah, you can yell about pedophiles all day. And I, I agree. I mean, obviously that's got to be job one, but I think that's the easier job to accomplish. And I'm, it's amazing that we're even having that conversation. But when you get into the whole thing about kids being bullied online and kids being harassed online and kids making other kids feel bad, I, is, is there really a way for government to solve that problem? I don't think so. I've been thinking about this a lot. Because I have three kids. You know, Patrick's nine. 
And he's, he's at that point now where he's, he plays Minecraft with his cousin and his friends, and they all go online, and I'm always making sure that they are who they say they are, number one, because I don't want to be in a situation where I find out my son is actually playing with you know some 30-year-old man in his basement. So I always make sure of that as a dad. I also realize that after a certain period of time playing, my son gets stressed out, and I can tell he's getting stressed out, so I need to make him take breaks. And actually, last night we went old school and we went and played a little Dig Dug in the basement. I I love that game. I loved that game when I was a kid growing up. I used to love Dig Dug. I used to love going to the arcades. The arcades are making a comeback too. Old school arcades are making a comeback. There's a a bar in Philadelphia actually that has all old school arcade machines. You see them now in the Jersey Shore too. There's a casino. There's an Atlantic City casino that was converted into a big arcade. They have a lot of old school arcade games too, which is really fun. But it's, I mean, those things are as analog as you get compared to what they have out there today. And everything today, even in the gaming world, is geared towards young people playing with each other. And and that's the whole thing. And then they can make comments. You know, they can make comments uh, to each other. And sometimes those comments are damn right mean. So you you, got to kind of police that too a little bit as a parent. But this is, you see, this is the problem, though. What we're really talking about here is the fact that for many parents, they've turned over their job to social media, to devices. I mean, I I heard a woman say today something that I I almost crashed the car. She said, you could be in the kitchen cooking dinner and your daughter could be on an app and you don't even know what she's doing. And I kept saying, thinking to myself, why don't you know what she's doing? If she's in the other room and you're cooking dinner, why are you allowing that to occur? And, and this is, I, I think, a bigger problem of, of parenthood in general. Our kids were locked down from school for a long time. And parents had to work. Many parents had to work. So what did they do? Well, in the early days of the pandemic in particular, they would send you these assignments. And they weren't real. They were, they, you know, five minutes you watched a video or something and you had to read a book. And the rest of the day, the kids were just on their own. So what did they do? They picked up devices and they started going online. I, I'm not saying it started then, but I think it got worse. I think it got worse. There's a story out today about COVID failures, like keeping schools closed, led to eye-wateringly high death rates, according to a damning report. And the mental health toll of COVID and lockdowns is still something we're calculating. But just think about that. So the kids were all locked out of school. They were on their devices. For many times, they, they were not going to organize sports because they didn't have them. They didn't have a lot of those things. And if you want to talk about where an addiction can come from, that's three years of children being on their devices a lot. And they were also on those devices doing school. But then they weren't always doing school on those devices because, let's face it, the school wasn't necessarily virtual all day long. So there's that. And then the other problem is that for a lot of parents, quite frankly, these devices serve as a babysitter. They serve as a babysitter. You know, instead of having to pay somebody to come to the house, a teenager to hang out with your kids and watch your kids, you just sit them down in front of a screen. And that's also a problem that I don't really know the answer to. There's not a lot of there's there's many people right now who don't have the situation to have somebody be a full time parent with the children. I think everybody deep down inside would love that. I know economically not everybody can. And for some people now, they're back in the office. I got a friend of mine just got called back into the the office. No more remote five days a week physical in the office. So for a lot of parents now, they're they're back on the road, too, which is another 
problem that's happening. But as I think about all these things and I think about the Senate hearing today, I think about them yelling at the CEOs of the tech companies. I keep wondering, yes, I agree. Keeping criminals away from your children is absolutely their responsibility. No question about it. They have responsibility to do that. But in terms of dealing with your kids getting bullied by other kids on their platform, I don't really know how you deal with that. I don't know what the answer is to that. I'm not really sure there is one. I mean, we always look for solutions to these things. And I think it's very tempting to think if we just have a Senate hearing and we just yell at Mark Zuckerberg, we'll find a magic solution to that problem. I don't think there is one. Because if they're not, it used to be when we were kids, you get bullied in person. You get bullied in school. And in some ways it could be helpful. You know, if you were a chubby kid and your kids, your buddies would call you chubby, you, you might be motivated to lose a couple pounds, you know, get out of the husky jeans. Nowadays, most of the bullying happens online because we've done a very effective job of cracking down on bullying in person to such a degree. But I don't know what the answer is to that. And I, and, and, and I think uh, today was really a show. I mean, they do these things in the Senate. It's just a show. What, what's going to come from it? You know, m- maybe these companies will cough up some cash to establish a fund to deal with tech issues and social media health and all the other things. But in a lot of ways, government caused this problem, if you think about it. I mean, it was government that decided to keep kids home from school and put them on these electronic devices in many ways. And playgrounds were shut down and sports teams and sport athletic, athletic, athletic events were canceled. Remember all that? All those things that happened. And I think kids were dealing with a lot of stress. And I think in many ways, they also took that stress out on each other, feeling in a virtual world like it's not as bad. But hell, we do it as adults to each other. Now, I can't tell you the number of times on any given day I have someone insult my intelligence, which is fair. I mean, no doubt about it. My intelligence deserves a lot of insulting. But inevitably, I will write a tweet. Somebody will accuse me of being dumb or a a MAGA Kool-Aid drinking moron or something like that. I mean, adults bully each other all the time on social media constantly. I see it. I, I don't fight on social media anymore like I used to. I used to do it. For me, I considered it sparring, like when Rocky had to fight Spider Rico, you know, just to kind of keep the Italian stallion had to keep his his mojo. I kind of used to look at it like that. I would I would fight idiots on Twitter as practice. Every now and then I'd go in there and just a little bit of catnip, you know, for my brain. And then I just gave up because it just seemed to be defeating. And I see but I but I see the way people talk to each other in a virtual space that I don't think they would do in real life. I, the, the person who calls me an idiot because he does, he disagrees with me, I'm, I'm a MAGA Kool-Aid drinking fool. Is that guy really going to say that to me in the grocery store if he sees me? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he might. But chances are probably not. If you, like, if you have a friend who, say, was is supporting Nikki Haley and you two are fighting about it on Facebook and you're saying terrible things to each other, not a friend, but so, yeah, a, a, a fellow traveler, so to speak. And then you meet up in public. Are you really going to sit there and just start insulting each other? Probably not. I think the safety of the social media world makes us feel like it's not as damaging. That's why when people fight over text message, too, you got to be very careful with that. You can't see tone. You know, you, you know what I mean? You can't read tone. And it's very easy for people to interpret the tone of something in the wrong way. And also people say things. They'll just type a text and say, things that that are mean that they wouldn't necessarily say in real life. But again, that's just kind of human nature. I don't know if you can legislate that away. I don't know if you'd want to, you know, because the answer to all that, quite frankly, is, well, it's hate speech laws. 
I mean, the, the only answer to that is is for the government to control your speech and for you to get in trouble if you're mean to someone. Now, that sounds good. Again, it's another thing. It sounds good. Like, oh, if you're mean to somebody, maybe you should get in trouble for that because our children are watching. And maybe they should get in trouble, too. The problem, though, is how do you define mean? Now, it's easy if, if, if somebody insults a 16-year-old girl and says, you look fat in that dress. Yes, we know that that's mean. We know that that's bullying. We know that it's wrong. Does the girl who says that to her, should she get locked up for it? Should she pay a fine for that? Should she be banned for life? I don't, I don't know what the consequences are. The problem, though, is that if that follows into adulthood, and then the next time somebody calls me a, um, a name and I write them back and I insult them and I say the wrong thing, you know, just the wrong thing. You know, I, I say something like, you are an idiot. And they come back and say, I go by they, them. And now it's hate speech and now I'm in trouble and now I'm banned. See what I mean? It's very easy to go down this rabbit hole of when the government starts getting involved in speech to try to make us all be nice to each other, how it usually leads to people walking on eggshells and censoring themselves and also the government censoring us too. I'll give you a a real life example. Those stupid DEI classes that we have to take, those dumb videos we have to watch, unconscious bias training and everything else. I've noticed a huge shift in the workplace since those things came online. People nowadays are literally afraid to talk to each other at work. They're just afraid of it. They're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing and get reported to HR. Because in all these training videos, you're told to do that. Oh, if you hear somebody say something that's mean, you better report it to HR or you'll get in trouble. So now people just don't even talk. They just walk down the hallway with their head down, you know, afraid somebody's going to say hello to them. And how's your day? I don't. And then there's um, there's always the problem now of, you know, misgendering somebody or, um, you know, making somebody feel bad about the way they smell because they might have too much cologne or perfume on. I mean, it gets a little ridiculous, but the point is, I think what the sentiment of today's hearing was leaving the child exploitation aspect out of it, because we're not talking about that. I mean, that is an obvious one, but in terms of the kids feeling bad when they go on social media and then kids feeling bad because other kids have made them feel bad. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is one. I just don't. Like, I don't think there's an answer to when, you know, guys are mean to each other in the locker room or when girls are mean to each other in a sorority house. I don't know the answer to that other than you got to do a good job as a parent. You got to try to make your kids resilient. You have to teach your children that you can't let it get to you. And you have to teach your children that it's important that they don't do that to other people. But I don't really know if the government can solve it for us. I don't know if we'd want them to. And I don't know how Mark Zuckerberg solves it either. I mean, you you create these platforms where people engage with each other and they wind up engaging sometimes in some very negative ways. But I think really what we have to do with our kids is teach a lot more self-resilience. I think that is essential. A lot more sense of, listen, life is going to knock you down. And people are going to say mean things and people are going to insult you and mock you and people are going to say you can't achieve something and you got to be able to to weather the storm here. I think so, because otherwise, the only other option seems to be just keeping them off social media altogether. And I know that that's not realistic either, because it also plays a role in the business world. It, I mean, it does. I mean, every company now has a business presence. We have a presence. The show has a social media presence, obviously, on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I say that all the time. So it's something that's going to be here forever. And then a lot of times, quite frankly, 
what one person's satire is another person's bullying. So when I'm yesterday, I made a joke about the rumors that Giselle Fetterman took. She apparently took down all her social media. And there are these rumors that they're getting a divorce. I don't know if it's true or not, but I tweeted out a joke saying, is Giselle Fetterman leaving John Fetterman's body double? Because this is not how the movie Dave ended. And I want my money back. In the movie Dave, the body double winds up with the first lady, Sigourney Weaver. So Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver get together at the end of the movie. In fact, it's her uh, love for him that basically enables him to change his policy direction. So I figured this whole time that Giselle Fetterman was all in on it. She fell in love with the body double. And that's why he started to move more towards the center. Because that's where the body double is. And she's all in. And maybe that's why she left. Maybe she goes, I don't like this body double. Because John was a lot more progressive than this guy is. What's all this pro-Israel talk and everything? Anyway, I, may, I, I tweeted that out last night. Am I bullying or am I being satirical? That's the other problem is I, you, when you start defining this stuff, it gets into a very gray area. You know, how many times do you have to wind up coming out? It was just a joke. I was just kidding. It was a joke. And you wind up getting canceled for tweeting out the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. And the intention of it is, well... We have to make sure that we're being nice because our children are watching. But then really what it does lead to is self-censorship. And people are afraid to make jokes and people are afraid to be satirical. And satire also serves a very important political purpose, don't forget. So the, early, the earliest uh, days of the founding of this country, uh, cartoons were a very powerful way to effectuate change. Very powerful way. And they, would, they were mean. I mean, they're mean. They, they would write really mean cartoons about each other back then the founders well they, well they would get drunk in a bar in philly and they'd start making cartoons you know what i mean they did i mean stuff but anyway satire and mocking and humor and pointing fun poking fun at people in power is incredibly powerful it's an incredibly powerful tool that the government would love to take away from us in the name of ending bullying and hate speech because they are the they're the recipients of that when you're mocking the powerful, you're mocking these people and you're exposing them and they would love to shut that down. I mean, in some countries they do. They do shut it down if you say insulting things about them. Hell, Woodrow Wilson passed a bill when he signed a bill as president, worst president ever, where Woodrow Wilson came out and he said that anybody who spoke bad about the war effort, World War One, would go to jail. You know, so they were arresting journalists back then and actually putting journalists in jail. Not not the fake kind that they said Trump would do, but the Democrat Party and Woodrow Wilson actually did that in the Alien and Sedition Acts. But that was the whole idea. You said mean things. We're going to punish you. And that's absolutely happening in America already. When adults say mean things about covid or about and mean things are how the government defines them, like mean things about vaccines or mean things about vaccine side effects or mean things about Fauci mean things about climate change, mean things about about windmills, you know, false lies that climate change is not caused by man, lies that windmills cause uh, whales and dolphins to die. You know, lies you're telling, lies and you're bullying and your hate speech. It goes down into a rabbit hole of censorship and the government calling out disinformation and misinformation. And hell, they almost had a board, an entire board, with that Nina Jankowitz, and it's still there. It's just, you know, they've just kind of changed it a little bit. I would sit there and decide what was real and what wasn't, what was bullying and what wasn't, what was misinformation and disinformation. So the answer to these things is a little complicated, 
but I don't know if there is one other than parents have to just be more involved here in their kids' lives. And I know that that's not an answer in every situation because, A, you're not going to be with your kids 24-7, and B, for a lot, of, a lot of kids, their parents are not in their lives. But that also doesn't mean that government can step in and solve the problem. And I'm not so sure these big tech companies can either. Because what we're really talking about is human nature. Are we not? I mean, there's a capacity of human nature to be mean to each other. And you just have to, I think, teach your kids not to be and teach your kids how to be resilient when it occurs to them. But beyond that, I don't, I don't think there's some kind of magic bullet here. And if there is, let me know, because eventually my kids are going to be exactly in this spot. Patrick's nine, Claire's seven, Reagan's three. So my kids will absolutely be there before I know it. And I don't want them getting bullied on social media. I don't want them being feeling bad about themselves. I don't want them getting depressed on Instagram. But I also know that I don't, I don't know what bill Congress could pass that would change that. I don't know what what secret little maneuver could be done to to change that either. And I, you know, that's the problem. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, three to seven. Talk Radio, twelve ten. WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.